0: I am Wes, modern mythology enthusiast and defender of the realm of toy collecting. This is Andy, my fearless friend. Fabulous secrets were revealed to me the day I powered up my dynamic mic and said, Welcome to Fandom Power." Power. Power! Andy became the mighty producer Andrew Daw, and I became host Wes, the newest pop culture podcaster on the interwebs. Only two others shared this secret, Friend of the show and regular co-host, Hank McLaughlin, and my lovely wife, Kimberly. Together, we defend the realms of pop culture from the evil forces of toxic Toxic fandom. fandom. In 1982, Masters of the Universe Toys came to retail, and for the first time in the 80s, there was a serious competition to determine which toy line was going to dominate the market that year. And by the end of the Christmas rush, it was clear, it wasn't going to be the most powerful man in the universe. Nor would it be the real American hero G.I. Joe. Not even the cultural phenomenon that was Star Wars could compete with that year's winner. And the winner was? Drumroll, please. Yep, you guessed it. Cabbage Patch Kids. And while all of those brands have continued to wax and wane over the years, none of them have left a mark on pop culture quite the same way as Masters of the Universe. With its blend of sword and sorcery infused with super science and technology, Masters of the Universe may just be the perfect combination of ideas for any toy line ever conceived. And in today's episode of Fandom Power, we're going to take a look back at the Masters of the Universe and talk about where it's been, where it is today, and where it may be going. But before we get into the conversation, I want to let everyone know that recently I had the opportunity to interview former Mattel executive and Masters of the Universe brand manager Scott Toy Guru some of which you're going to hear in this episode. But if you want to see the full version of that hour-long interview, you can catch that along with all of our other episodes and our sister shows on the Sawcast Productions YouTube channel. We'll put a link to the episode description here and on our social media, so be sure to check that out. So, once again, I'm joined today in studio by our producer and editor, Andrew Dahl. Hello. And through the marvel of modern technology that is the internet, I'd like to welcome our two special guests and Mo2 mega fans. From the Electrified Porcupine, we have Peter. Greetings. And our good friend of the show, Crystal Coffin. Hello. Hey guys, how's everyone doing?
1: I'm pretty good. Excited to be oh. talking about some Heyman
0: here. <laughs> Me too. And both. Yes, I think we've uh, we've sort of been talking sort of offline for the last few weeks about, you know, how can we put this together and, and is this gonna work? And I'm really super happy to have both of you on the show as our guests because through, through other relationships that we've had over the years, I know that both of you are like very serious Masters of the Universe fans, so. Who better to talk about it than uh, a couple of mega fans? <laughs>
2: awesome!
3: Thanks
0: for having me. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. So I just I'm going to get this right out of the way. Peter, you are a contributing photographer on the upcoming Dark Horse Masters of the Universe toy book.
3: Yes, yes, I am. It's really exciting. Have and you? Uh,
0: has that come out yet?
3: No, it should be out. Uh, I think it's going to start trickling out by the end of the month from uh, what I've been seeing uh, through uh, the social media posts. Uh, people have started to get their notifications that by the end of the week, some of them are going to start getting their books. I know my own copy is going to be mailed next week so I can uh, <laughs> get right into it and you know, be in disbelief
0: that my photos are actually in a published book. Yeah, that's book. awesome. And it's you're, really awesome. you're going to have a credit in the book.
3: I am. My, oh, yeah, that's uh, my awesome! Under uh, the main photographers, so I like it's it's so surreal and uh, to be even to be asked to work on the project was like I had to I had to kind of wake up and uh, it was almost like so overwhelming that I actually had to sleep on it because I knew the the time commitment it was yeah. going to take. And my daughter, I think, was oh geez, because this project got started a couple of years ago. I think my daughter might have been anywhere from eight months to a year when I got asked oh, wow. yeah. and with my career at the time and getting to a busy time with it and the deadline that I was told initially and with my daughter and my wife's work schedule I'm like could I even make the time for this and uh, my wife gave me all the support She said you know what I'll I'll make it work you disappear into the basement every day after work and you use your weekend's and uh, you take your couple months and do it. And, of course, with uh, a couple of delays here and there, the book got pushed back from the initial release from a couple of years ago. And as more figures were released by Super 7 and stuff, we got to include basically everything. I think even Snake Mountain just barely made it into the book. Oh, wow. That's that's really cool. Oh, so and that's the i think that's probably one of the only classics things i didn't take photos of for that book because i just received my snake mountain about uh a month and a half two months ago
0: i think i saw a photo on your social media about that the thing is so
3: <laughs> one of the most amazing things in the world and i just can't wait until you know this covid stuff is gone because i can't wait for some of my friends to come over here and actually see cuz you can see pictures but until you see the thing in person yeah. it, it pictures still don't do it justice
0: no I that's what i pretty imagine. much
3: figured when i saw the photos of it <laughs> yeah so yeah uh, just with the back to the book though uh yeah it was such a really really cool thing and, and i think he man and masters of the universe and Princess of power fans all over the world are uh are gonna love it just seeing uh pixel dan's previews of it sure. showing even some uh, new adventures and Princess of power previews of things that i had no idea that they even had toys of right uh Just phenomenal stuff. So I think people are really, really going to spend hours and keep going back to this book.
0: Right. Let's touch on Princess of Power just for a second here because one of the interesting things about Masters of the Universe is that uh, over the course of the original vintage run, you know, like 30% of toy sales for Masters of the Universe were actually to girls. So kind of crystal that's kind of where I was really hoping yeah. to get to get a I think a...
1: I think we were getting sick of the Barbies by then.
0: <laughs> 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 you know
1: it, it was nice to actually see a toy that had a little bit more like character behind them it wasn't just oh let's play with their hair and put some clothes on them you know yeah, it's yeah. like i grew up around all boys pretty much uh in my neighborhood so right. you know we were playing he-man and wrestling and transformers and all that stuff so when i was able to get some Shira into the mix it was right. nice to be able to play with the boys with the toys instead of you know the dolls and and barbies and things that they'd have it was just a totally different play game altogether
0: so i know i know from my uh conversation with scott that the uh the she line was actually co-opted from the boys' group. It was actually the, the girls' group, Fat Mattel, that actually stole it and, uh, yeah. and developed the line. But did, was your introduction – I guess this is my first question for everybody is, what was your introduction to the brand?
1: Uh, for me, it was the Saturday morning cartoons. Oh,
2: well,
0: uh awesome.
1: Definitely He-Man would have been first on the run because that was out first before She-Ra. And I'm at that age where I was able to catch it right when it came out.
0: Yeah, I think and, we're all in uh, that sort of window. Mm-hmm, yeah, sure. so
1: I mean, considering there was no internet back then, while well, we had was advertising in the Saturday morning cartoons, so I was just right in there. I was one of those kids that pretty much was raised by TV, so <laughs> I was basically right in there with all those cartoons, and it was, uh, it was definitely right. something else compared to some of the other stuff that was on at the time. A little bit more easier to digest than some of the other cartoons, like, <laughs> say, Transformers <laughs> had a pretty strong storyline, you know, I mean, as much as He-Man had its little quirks and everything I think it was a bit easier to digest for some kids
0: yeah and I mean uh I mean He-Man we're talking uh 82 right so uh let me yes. just check my notes here so the uh filmation cartoon so yep. 1983 to 84 100, yes. 130 episodes and and I mean every one of those episodes came with that uh now who did it first was it G.I. Joe or was it He-Man that did the the PSAs first I mean, it was such a oh, common, I've, I
1: feel like it was GI Joe, such a common, uh, uh might be wrong.
0: common trope for the, the shows of that period. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think that the masters of the universe ones, I think were kind of, they spoke to me maybe just a little bit more than the other shows. Mm-hmm.
3: For sure. For sure. Cause yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they, they always, you know, really tied back the, uh, the episode right to, to the little moral of the story at the end. Yeah. Yeah it was kind of cool like now that we're adults and you think about it you know having a a really good uh, action and adventure show and just you know Mattel knows that you know they were sitting there trying to also sell toys through the cartoon but trying to also kind of maybe have a little bit of a moral obligation to say okay yeah this is entertainment we're trying to you know sell products here and everything too but you know what if you reflect on the story this is what you can actually take out of it so you know good on them for for trying to you know uh get some kids to realize that there's maybe more to the story than you might actually think.
0: Yeah. And I, I, mean, I,
1: do, I do agree with that as well.
0: I don't know about the other shows out there, but I'm pretty sure masters of the universe actually had a, a child psychologist on staff that sort of worked with the writers. Did you guys well, ever That's
1: hear- a lot. That's actually pretty great if that was the case. Cause that's what I find. Like a lot of those cartoons, especially the ones that kind of came after did have that little bit of a thing at the end. Yeah. But the nice thing was, is that, you know, to take a cartoon that was based off of a toy line first and then still to try and give it so much substance at the end of it, I think was pretty credible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, Masters of the Universe is kind of weird, uh, uh, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but it it sort of stands out because that 1982 toy year, there was no, uh, the only media to support it were the mini-comics that came packed mm-hmm. in with the action figures. So, I mean, for, uh, I think the first year was something like four or five million US dollars in sales, right? But to, to come out the gate without any entertainment and to be that much of a hit, you knew you had something special. For sure.
3: And I think too, uh, when, uh, like when you're asking about how did you get introduced, my mom bought me the figures even before the cartoon, because I remember when, even before the cartoon came out, I would, uh, even though that maybe my, my my reading skills weren't the best, the, the pictures blew me away. Like the illustrations in the, uh, mini comics and when I started getting into the show and especially when they were talking about the origins and stuff like that, and yeah. it was completely different than the mini comics. And even though that I enjoyed the cartoons when I was a kid and we'll still put them on because my daughter loves them too. Yeah. So I, I get to kind of relive everything uh, again. I, I did you know, before my daughter too, it wasn't just like, ah, oh, you know, it's Saturday night. I feel like putting on some He-Man, but now it's like, Oh, I have a real purpose. Cause my daughter loves playing with my figures and oh, looking yeah. at having her own. So she likes watching the, the, the cartoons and everything. And so, but when I was a kid, I loved the look and the stories in the mini comics. And I was so confused when the filmation series came out. Cause I'm like, this is not the same at all. The, yeah. the looks are, aren't the same. Uh, the comics don't look like the figures, the figures don't look, you know, like some of the uh, characters in the cartoons, but now the stories are all different. So it was, uh, it was something I preferred when I was a kid was getting lost in the comics before the cartoon. <laughs> Just
1: came. like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Boy, was that a flip.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. for sure. That's the that's same parallel kind of thing. So,
0: And I, I was on the other side of that. I mean, I, I was vaguely aware of the action figure line, but really like the show was my gateway in. So when I started getting action figures and those those early mini comics, how they were like, wait a minute this isn't like the TV show. (laughs) It was confusing for me, but you know, talk about like, I
1: actually only ended up getting a couple of the toys. You know, when I grew up, it was like, I was lucky to get kind of one of each cartoon I liked. So I never was able to really get exposed too much to the comic books that came out with them. Yeah. So for me, it was based really on the, I was just in love with that cartoon, especially the animation at the time. There was a lot of the Japanese animations that were on earlier in the mornings and stuff like that. And I was never really quite into more of that type of animation for for the He-Man really captured me a lot more.
4: You know,
0: Filmation as a company really had this reputation for, uh, and animation in general. I mean, it's always about the dollar, right? How much can you squeeze out of a dollar? And, uh. You know, stock animation and reuse of backgrounds and all those those techniques that animation studios would use. Filmation was famous for that, having that you could watch a cartoon and you could know just by the look of it that's a Filmation show.
1: I was just going to say for the background images and stuff that that was what really impressed me with that because if you go back to like the old Spider Man, yeah. you know, it, they made it interesting. It wasn't just like the basic static background where it was super boring. They put so much artwork into it.
0: The Flintstone background on a revolving wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, big use of rotoscoping in filmation shows, you know, where they would uh, literally film an actor, you know, like particularly like the He-Man, the, his, his running scene that they reused would have been an actor that was rotoscope where they just, they lined mm-hmm. over that actor. I thought that, you know the use of it was just fantastic, and I wish that more shows had actually done that. Mm-hmm. But sadly, well, they I think didn't. that's
1: probably why that stands out so much more than the other cartoons at the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, my I think my first experience with rotoscoping, other than lightsabers and Star Wars, was probably uh, Bakshi's Lord of the Rings, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. that they did it yeah. as well. I'm not sure that they did it as well as He Man, to be honest. <laughs> wow, wow, it was
3: <laughs> different. It was different. Yeah. That old Lord of the Rings, yeah. I haven't seen that one since I was a kid.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Oh. I wish they would have finished it.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, that, what was it? That,
1: <laughs> that one w- irks me because it's. I wish they would have finished it.
0: Bakshi did one, and I think Nelvana did an, an, another adaptation of one of the other books. There are three fil- mm. animated films out there, but they are so disjointed. <laughs> mm,
5: yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: So, guys, who's got uh, – let's talk about uh, favorite characters. Let's talk specifically about the vintage line. Everybody got a favorite?
2: Oh, it's so
3: hard to pinpoint a favorite. I know. In that, one. it is so hard. Um, I mean, for me, you know, you always had, you know, the 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 main hero and the main villain that you you always had alongside. But for me, I think, um, like uh, characters like Merman, of course, like uh, even though I loved Merman, I always wanted as a kid, and like you never under I never understand why the card back art for Merman was different than the head we got. Uh, right, I always. Excuse me as a kid, but I always loved playing with uh, Merman. I had Trapjaw with me. Uh, Zodak. Well, even though that he's pretty plain, for some reason, I always dug Zodak. And I was one of those people that celebrated in classics when that came out. And people were like, why are you putting him out before so many other figures? And I know Scott had said, you know, uh, at the beginning, was all about how many can they release using the same like uh, the same parts yeah. just to keep the waters. Um, but I always dug him, and then when the evil horde appeared, Mantana and Grizzlore they were also two of my go to's. But I mean, there's just so many, I, I could have a favorite figure each day of the week. I feel very
0: much like you do, Pete. I, I, there's so many that I couldn't, I mean, if I had to nail it down to like just like one or two, and I think I mentioned this in my interview with Scott, like, because we, we uh, I asked him some of the same questions, and did you or do you have a favorite character from the vintage line that you still like is your favorite today?
4: Stratos is definitely a big one. And Trapjaw, you know, everyone loves Trap Jaw. But I, remember, I mean I love Stratos because I love flying characters and he had a jetpack, and that was, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. Definitely big on Stratos.
0: And for me, a Beast Man ranks up higher there. I mean, it was the first what, it was one of the first figures in the line. And then right. it was the fir- one of the first, it was the first regular release figure in classics, you know? Yes. So, I mean, it was the first figure I owned as a child. So Beast Man ranks high for me. And then maybe Stratos after that, because I think they were like the first two figures that I ever owned.
3: Okay. Yeah. You got that nostalgia. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: What about you, Crystal?
1: Uh, I think for me, I was definitely based more into the characters in the cartoon as opposed to having the toy language. Like oh, I, said, sure. I only ended up having a handful of them. Yeah. So- Basically, for me, I think I liked Cringer Battlecat the best because he had the most dynamic uh, lessons to be learned, as well as Orko for the same type of reasons. Where right. you know, it's like Cringer; he was just so afraid and everything. but right. Eventually, he would finally be able to, you know, get get his uh, uh, get it under control and be able to turn into this amazing battle cat where he could just, you know, you know, destroy and ruin everything that he came in his path without any fear whatsoever. And same with Orko too, you know, he fumbled, he made mistakes, but they were so kind and caring to encourage him that he would eventually get it right and, you know, be able to basically save the day some of the times, um, even with his blunders. So I feel like it was great that they gave some of those characters such faults, but they were able to overcome them and then be celebrated. So again, going back into the like, you know, lessons at the end and stuff. So I feel like it was really empowering for young kids to be like, hey, you know, I don't have to be perfect. I can be afraid. I can make mistakes. But then you can still overcome them and, and to be able to get through that is something I thought was really great with those characters. As far as the evil ones, Evil Lynn was always my favorite, you know, and uh, she was just so, she was basically like the mastermind. Like Skeletor, he had his his days, but, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like it was this henchman that kind of really kind of came in behind him and helped his end of things. And Evil Lynn, I feel like, was a really good female character in the evil side to be able to help out.
3: Just to kind of uh, piggyback on the Evil Lynn thing where you're saying like, you know, like she's kind of like that mastermind in the shadows and it's kind of cool to see all through the uh, various lore of masters where Evil Lynn has also been portrayed in like many of the other stories and comics and cartoons and all that stuff as one of those kind of behind the scenes puppet master. Mm -hmm. Always like trying to keep her friends close. Well, sorry, not that friends close, enemies closer kind of thing, but uh, just like she'd always be there to do Skeletor's bidding, but she would always be planning, like in the background, of how to overthrow him and in some oh, yeah. like, you know. So I, it, yeah. it's cool that you said that because, yeah, it, it seems like they they've kind of kept her with that kind of little bit of uh, backstabbing characteristic throughout this uh, throughout the whole time Masters has been around. I yeah. also
0: like her as a character too. I think that outside of Skeletor, really. I don't think there's another evil warrior that has such a, an uh, intricate backstory. Certainly the lore, mm. the greater lore that surrounds Motu over the years really has, mm-hmm. has dove into her background. And I mean, she is such a well-developed character. I'm really interested to see where they're going to go with her on the upcoming Revelation show, but uh, we'll, <laughs> get, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Awesome. Uh, talking about the toy line, uh, just to sort of kind of wrap up on the vintage line. The vintage line ran till what eighty eighty seven eighty seven. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say yeah, I was gonna say eighty seven, eighty eight, maybe even pushed to that late. But it depends. We always got stuff so much later up here than everybody else. I did, know. By, oh,
0: the, yes. by the by the end of the line, and I mean we've we've all seen uh, toys that made us, and sort of you know the the thoughts surrounding sort of what where the guys were at in the boys group that were making the toys they were literally throwing stuff at the wall to see what stuck, you know, like it was that anything goes. Do you guys think that they made any missteps towards the end of the line? Like, cause they were getting some pretty weird stuff going on.
1: I find it's weird that they made figures of stuff, like a character that was even just spoken about, or that wasn't even in the cartoon yet. They don't make ones like say shadow weaver, for example, right. which I do understand why that figure wasn't made uh, due to rights.
2: But yeah.
0: still
1: it's like, how they ended up with characters that weren't even in the cartoon, but then they don't even print some more of the main characters. I found that very odd.
0: Yeah. I think you, you, you just kind of nailed it right there. Cause I think, you know, kids coming to the line later on, like you said, Pete, your, your main heroes and villains kids want He-Man and Skeletor, you know, in 1986, mm-hmm. 1987, if you're a new kid coming to the line, because you've been watching the TV show for three years, you don't want, you know, 17 buzz offs <laughs> hanging on the peg. Right? <laughs> you know? And
3: he didn't want, like, uh, geez, where were they at the time? They were at, like, Laser Light He-Man oh, and uh, uh, and the, um, the Laser Light Skeletor figure. Yeah. People wanted a plain He-Man and a plain Skeletor. And I think back then, they, they were never thinking about that way. They were thinking, people already own these. Let's make them buy He-Man again and Skeletor, yeah. but how? Oh, and then what was it? It was Flying Fist, He-Man and claws Skeletor yep. that I think that came before the the laser ones. And I think the laser ones might have been the two last He-Man and Skeletors that They're, they put out.
0: They are def- yeah, I think you're right, actually, on that one. And, they are definitely and so right I'm, at the end. Uh,
3: with uh, Crystal here, just thinking about, um, you know, when I was watching the show, I wanted uh, Fangman, for example. Oh, for yeah, yeah. And yeah, so you're right. So instead of giving us a Fangman, they they give us, you know, an, another character that is, has never been in the cartoon. So, <laughs> you know, as the cartoon was kind of maybe dwindling down, even though it was in syndication everywhere, I think, yeah, they, they could have made another year out of it just by even maybe putting out another basic He-Man Skeletor, maybe uh, reissuing a couple of uh, their close allies and then popping yeah. out. Yeah, well, they could have
1: kids. done they could they could have done a couple different things too like i loved the battle armor ones like my i remember for just sitting there all day tapping 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 the chest you know and only he-man
5: has this power
1: battle armor skeletor has it too and so they were trying to be innovative when they would redo the characters which i gotta give them credit for you know again they've added all these extra bits and things that we really hadn't seen on toys at that time so they were interesting but uh Yeah, but to be throwing characters out that nobody can relate to and don't know what it is unless they had, you know, more push the comics and say had them in that or something else, I think would have been more effective.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it was uh, I'm such a huge Transformer fan that when like for me, when I when I look at sort of maybe missteps, I look at the meteorbs and I go, what were they thinking? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? The meteorbs come down and I think, you know, look at look what they were doing. Transformers were big then. So like He-Man's like suddenly got to have a transforming thing it uh, yeah, felt like
1: that. Simpsons did it. Oh, Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it.
0: <laughs> and even even uh, what was the other one? Gobots at the time, they had their spinoff mm-hmm. with the Rock Lords. Right. And it was essentially yeah. the same thing as Meteorbs. I'm like, what is going on here?
5: Uh, who does that cabbage think he is?
0: And the Meteorbs
3: were another toy line from Japan, weren't they? Were they I... not? And then Mattel brought them. Yeah, over. I think yeah,
0: so. To incorporate that's... in. Yeah.
3: And the only way that they sold the meteor orbs, from what I remember, because back then, too, I I always had to get the monthly He-Man and the Masters of the Universe magazine. Yeah. And not only, like, I mean, that was a great marketing tool for them, but for me, even, like, you know, the stories in there, you know, they were trying to get you to get the toys and get their back stories through the comics. But I always found, for me, the big seller for that magazine, too, even though they were going off topic from the toys, was the artwork in there. And the artwork made the toys seem even better i remember seeing those meteor orbs falling from the sky in one of those uh art pieces and some of them that had already that had landed you know fighting already beside he-man and i'm like these are awesome but i never saw those in stores so i don't no. even own any of those i actually have them
1: oh now, wow I, yeah. I, I did end up collecting i managed to i have almost 96 percent of almost all the he-man originals that I've been collecting since I was probably about 15, maybe. Yeah. And uh, the one thing that I found with those is, you know, you look at the Transformers at the time and how intricate they were. These were just like, they just open up. Yeah. So I'm not sure how fun for kids they would have been because you just like, oh, they just open up and that's it. They don't really do anything else. Whereas, you know, at the time kids had Transformers, which were turning robots into actual cars. So maybe they weren't, I don't think their print run was very much.
3: They're like McDonald's uh, yeah. uh, Happy Meal toys in a way. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, very much. <laughs> I just got some still of those. I some of
1: those floating around here too. <laughs>
0: Com- Commandrons. I just bought some of those actually. <laughs> I remember Meteorbs made the cover now of the Marvel Star Masters mm-hmm. of the Universe comic book. And I can remember them streaking, like they kind of were coming into frame and He-Man was kind of standing there with his sword out. And I'm like, what's going on here? And that was my introduction to Meteorbs. And then by that time mm-hmm. it was just like, I think I was sort of on my way out of, of the brand at that time. And it was just too weird for me.
3: Yeah. I think I was at the end of the line when, yeah. But I, then again, like I said, you know, here in, in Canada with, uh, yeah. I, I didn't even see them. I don't even remember seeing like the, the laser light figures ever in the store. No, me neither. Near the end of the line. Even, I think even the, the very, very last wave, who's in that last wave was, uh, uh
0: you had some movie guys in there. You had uh, blade, yeah, blade, G- blade Gweldor, uh, Saurad, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, I don't ever think I I saw them, but I think, yeah, I had moved on. But I mean, when we're just wrapping up the the vintage line conversation, I think, you know, with all the characters and the designs and everything, too, I think just it was really known for. And and Crystal was saying this about the the battle armor. It's just the action features, right? I mean, to try and be so crafty, to give each toy its own kind of unique spin uh, and and all about the gimmicks. Yeah, exactly. And that was that was great to great to see. Like, oh, okay, what's this backstory and what's their their specific little uh action features? So even if they were trying to put out characters that weren't in the cartoon, I can see them trying to, you know, just be, you know, crafty and, and creative with what they were doing. Like Mosquito was never in the cartoon and just to have that blood pumping feature. Oh, I oh, love yeah, that yeah. one. I, again, that was it's another like, one I played with a lot. Don't, for don't even, I don't need a backstory for Mosquito, for example, or <laughs> even Scareglow, because who doesn't like glow-in-the-dark mm-hmm. toys? So, you know, I think it was also them trying to push themselves creatively to see, you know, what's going to stick and, uh, and just kind of let their creative juices flow. And they, they had the opportunity to do that because it was such a huge brand.
1: And they definitely saved yeah. a lot of money using the same body molds, I'm sure.
0: Oh, sure. oh of course they did. Crystal, <laughs> I wanna I wanna turn it to Princess of Power just for a minute here, because I wanna get I wanna get your perspective on this. Did you find it weird that when the Princess of Power line came out that the heroes were in that five inch or five and a half inch doll style, while the villains were clearly based on the the Motu Buck?
1: I actually didn't mind the fact that they were... I mean, as a kid playing with them, I didn't obviously even think of that. Um, Now, it definitely, when you look at it, it would have made sense that they would have kind of made the line less Barbie-ish, but I think they really wanted to not take too much chances in trying to get the girls to come in. So, of course, they still had the hair you could comb. They all came with their little comb, and, you know, you could take their little outfits on and off. They didn't go as far with them um, to make them different, like the He-Man characters, as much as I would have liked. Like... You know, they had some wings that flapped and, you know, little pumpy water things, but they weren't much different than what you would have gotten with, say, My Little Pony or, you know, some of the other girl toys out at the time. So I find that the cartoon wise, I really enjoyed the fact that they didn't stray from the way that He-Man was done. They didn't make it like such a separate cartoon as much as they did with the toys. So, you know, I think since I was so much invested into the cartoon itself, the toy differences didn't really bother me as much.
0: Interesting. I always wondered that because for me, it, it kind of took me out of it. I'm like, well, if the, because the cartoons were so similar, I had this expectation that the, that the toy line was going to be, you know, in the same idea. Like if you stick Tila, the figure beside she and yeah. you kind of go, wait a minute, something's going on here. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I just didn't comprehend that, you know, that they were trying to specifically target that girl's play pattern with the combable hair. It didn't make sense to me, mm-hmm. but again, I'm not a girl, so I don't—I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I'm—I actually think that they probably got it right, considering, um, you know, girls have smaller hands, probably smaller toy. I'm—I don't know if that would be the case, but that would make sense to me. Yeah. Um, especially again, you know, you got girls that are used to all the toys they had at the time were ones that you could play with their clothes and comb their hair, so you know, to stray away from that and give them a hard figure, I don't think it would have done as well, honestly. I think it was a good transition to get kids, like, especially girls that maybe had never seen He-Man, right, to get into it. I was already watching He-Man, so for me, and maybe I'm a little bit different than a lot of the girls that would have gotten introduced to She-Ra first, for example, Right. and I'm sure that because they were able to take these figures and do the kind of girly play with them as well as you know, put them on their horse and, and get, you know, that bow and you know, a couple of the male figures. So you could have that And then Hordax, Horde. I mean, he, they were done just like the He-Man. So, you know, and and Hordak is a scary figure, you know, if you're a kid as yeah. well. So I don't know how much Hordax, Horde actually sold to girls, considering that they were still way more marketed to, on the Masters of the Universe side. Yeah. So they were marketed differently, even though they were part of the same cartoon.
0: Yeah even the card backs i mean the card backs for those horde characters were on the standard motu card backs whereas right. the 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 princess of power girls were on the princess of power cards so so yeah.
1: i think they were just testing the waters to be honest i think yeah. that they didn't probably want to throw a bunch of money and also making the figures smaller less money and making them less plastic and that's stuff, true right?
0: yeah all that corporate stuff that
1: so of course you don't want to think us. about that when you're a kid but it affects you know affects the bottom line right oh so. it
0: really does yeah it really really
3: does even the marketing for the commercials for those uh figures even though that uh the horde and and the uh great rebellion were you know in the same cartoon all the uh horde cartoons were like all dark and evil and facing he yeah. man and then you've got the shira toy commercials and they were all like magical with like the yeah Very,
1: pink. all the toys are paint like i have the crystal castle and i've got the like you know fountain the wa- water fountain all that all the stuff it's all pink all of it
0: <laughs> yeah like that claudine
1: yeah
0: yeah i'm like wow it's a it's flocked and it's pink <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it, and there was another one actually i feel like some of those characters were there was um there was a, a cartoon i used to watch and it, i think it was secret keepers or something along that lines where they had little like snails and stuff and you could put the stuff in them uh, i feel like the animals from she were very similar to that oh, type of style as well so they probably looked at what you know, the girls were buying in that type of respect and tried to emulate more of those type of toys to just attract right. them. Because again, I feel like the toys were more aimed at the girls despite of the cartoon and maybe it would get it into it. And I don't think a lot of girls were watching He-Man at the time, at least not too many I knew anyway. Right, right. Back then. So I feel like it was definitely just a visual to get them off the shelves when kids would go into the toy store and get them hooked in that way.
0: Interesting, yeah.
3: It was definitely a hybrid line. Yeah, totally Mm -hmm. agree. But yeah, with uh, the plastic bodies and the hair and stuff. And even when I'd go over to uh, my cousin's place, his sister would have Princess of Power dolls. And when you're talking about comparison, yeah, it was always interesting to put her bow near like the regular MOTU figures. Yeah. See how how skinny he was and the other guys were all buffed out and everything. I never owned any Princess of Power figures. But if uh, we were over at my cousin's and uh, we would take her Shira figures out of her room. And we incorporate them in because we used to watch both cartoons. I think that's the
0: other side of it. I think if for most of us as fans of the Filmation show, whether you admitted it or not, I think, and this is just me speaking out my, my butthole here. Anecdotally speaking, we all watched She-Ra. Don't tell me you didn't. Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) It was good though. I mean, that's the thing. They kept it pretty online and I really enjoyed how they, Match them, you know, like, oh, they're brother and sister. And, you know, so she, it made sense that she had her own cartoon because she was at a different place, well, different the, planet. than the Secret of the know. Sword
0: was like a four-parter, was it not?
1: Yeah, something like that. And, I mean, and, uh, it
0: stands, in my books, it stands as probably one of the the more well-written pieces in the lore. And I say that because, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of, like, serialized entertainment. So, like, the whole Monster of the Week thing, yeah, it's cool and all, but I like a deeper story. So to see this, this mm-hmm. like brother sisterly relationship play out over, you know, four consecutive episodes, four or five episodes was like, wow, this is really cool mm-hmm. because Master's Universe yeah. hadn't really done a lot of that.
1: Yeah. And I do enjoy that like Hordak, I mean, if you take Hordak compared to Skeletor, to me, like Hordak was like 10 times more brutal. Of I that thought so guy. too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I always thought that as well. I always thought, you know, that Hordak was this sort of uh you know, like Skeletor was like an underling that had sort of gotten out from under his his uh, shadow, sort of by leaving the planet, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One thing that always kept me watching She-Ra, like, I mean, not only I think was it on right after He Man when Shira first came yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, number was always like, all right, here's another half hour of excellent, you know, He Man, Masters of the Universe, Princes of Power, kind of thing. So what got me like to keep watching was number one, I wanted to keep seeing what the Horde characters that i owned were going to look like in the Shira cartoon like yeah, okay yeah, yeah. this board member coming out what are they going to look like in filmation what's the difference mm-hmm. going to be and then of course too like because of the secret of the sword watching both masters of the universe and princess of power i'm sitting there going when's the next crossover who's going to show <gasps> up on show?" yeah yeah and yeah really to see what what was going to happen so i mean i like them on their their own like for princess of power on their own stories but it kept me kind of guessing as a kid, going, "I can't wait to see who's going to show up next, or what kind of character I have as a toy might show up on Shira's show."
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, they really did well with that, I think, to really get the boys onto the other side as well. Like for me, I think if they'd made that cartoon for Shira too girly, it wouldn't have jived. It wouldn't have met. Like, I'm glad that they kept it the same type of, you know, animation, story writing, all of that. Like you know, to excuse my language, but she was not a pussy, you know, like no, she really took all. herself into her own. And I, I really appreciate that, especially, you know, as a young girl, again, growing up, it was something that, you know, I wasn't just watching, you know, Catch Patch Kids and, and My Little Pony and stuff. I had, some, you know, a woman that was, you know, capable of totally taking care of herself and, and saving the day as well. So you had He-Man, And She-Ra, you had representation on both sides equally, which I think was really important, especially back then.
0: No one is unimportant, small one. While we're on the subject of Princess of Power, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because this seems like a good time to uh, knock heads a little bit. Have we all seen the Netflix uh, Princesses of Power?
1: That's the new one, right? That's like the, the new one. Yeah. The, yes. The new one where they're kids. Right? Yeah. They're, like, like, they're teenagers. Okay. I did. I, I, I've watched it. I just didn't realize it was princesses.
0: <laughs> yeah. She and the princesses of power. Uh, they're all princesses. So
1: I really enjoy the writing. I think the yeah. story writing, as far as just what's going on, like I like the backstory, the fact that they're kind of younger, and you can see how, you know, She Ra originally kind of grew up more of Hordak taking her and all of that stuff. However, the cartoon's a little bit on the woke side for my liking. Oh, okay.
2: do you think
0: it's do you think it's too much, though? Like, is it too socially uh, conscious?
1: it's it's borderline. It's it, Aww, you know nothing's too low for me. It depends how far they go with it in the future, I think it's sure
2: it's
1: not that I have an issue with it. It's just that I think it kind of almost is going a bit strayed from what the original she had intended but you know of course you're never going to get the same when they read no, no. and stuff so and it's just for the audience i i feel like you know for an adult audience i can see what they're doing you know but for kids how is that going to influence them they don't have the same ending you know as it, the lessons are a little more blurred i guess so they're not more straightforward in in what they're trying to teach in this one so i feel like it's the storyline is there. It's really great. I don't think they need to go as far woke as they are in certain aspects. Have you finished the series? Uh no one. Okay, haven't. then I'm Actually, not I'm, I'm not gonna
0: finished. I'm not gonna spoil okay. it for you. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe my there, opinion's
1: not full yet if I haven't finished watching. Maybe there's it a follow-up I'm
0: conversation almost... here somewhere. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and and I I'll just kind of bow out of that one just because when uh when it first premiered, I think my daughter might have been two or whatever. Yeah. And and uh so I put it on because she was even at that age, she would be like, He Man, Dad okay. put on He Man. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, oh. and then I'm like, Hey, you like He Man? Look, there's a new She-Ra. So I put it on, got an episode or two, and she lost total interest. And because uh, just with what my wife's schedule was, it's it's me and her usually or was on the weekends. So if she didn't want to watch it, I had to do other things to, you know, keep her occupied and amuse her and play with her. Right. Well, after two episodes, that's I never went back because she had no interest. She had no interest in it. And then as well, too, there's just enough stuff on different Facebook forums of people. You know, talking about the thing Chris was saying about how woke it is or how
1: well and it took a bit to get into it too. Like you can't just figure out what's going on in the first episode. Like eight, you know, in He-Man and Original She-Ra they each episode kind of stands by itself in a way. Yeah, that's that this monster point of the, the continual week kinda... story. And and to get their point, they definitely delve way more like to me, this this cartoon is more for like teenagers even though it's more aimed at children i would agree that with I that i feel like the content and stuff it's just yeah a little kid isn't yeah. going to sit there and want to watch it because they're not going to have any idea what's going on
3: they don't have the critical thinking skills no to, They're mark if they're marketing it towards uh you know uh 10 and under and stuff and you know it's also been you know where many cartoons growing up too they've you know put in the little things for adults here and there but yeah like from, spongebob from i love heard, that we must never question the wisdom of the magic conch yeah, but, so- it's, it's different for this fine one. Fine line. And mm-hmm. you know, just I I had enough of even just listening or seeing the posts of people going back and forth and fighting over it. And I'm sitting there going, Okay, well, I'll get to it maybe one day. But yeah. I mean, even just the the talking on the internet and and the people having to have every kind of say either on one end or the other it just put me off so i yeah but i guess i guess that's
1: it it. they they made it more a little more on the political end of it which they just i don't feel that they needed to do that really you know it's i think the credibility in the show was there and the writing i do agree is I do like the writing for the storylines themselves, but it's, yep. it's that extra woke stuff they keep throwing in there. And it's like, what? We don't, you know, we're not asking for this. We don't need this, especially when probably most of the audiences are in their 30s and 40s, you know? Yeah, or I mean, teenagers. you just like, well, I don't know who they think their audience is.
0: You've got this built in audience of, of Gen Xers like us who grew up on the original. And suddenly you've got this new show, and, and you both kind of danced around it with the whole socially conscious and, and wokeness of the show. And like you had said, Pete, the online vitriol surrounding this show was just Mm. intense.
3: Adora, I need to blow something up. And I guess Mm
0: -hmm. my question is, there was a lot of, this isn't my She-Ra. It doesn't look like this. It it doesn't look like her. She doesn't act like her. Anecdotally speaking, did you find, and this is just me completely sort of from what I saw, the majority of the complaints were from middle-aged men yep of course really yes oh
3: I'm, i'm going right with wes on this like the the different forums that you see some of yeah these these grown men just going at each other over this and not even i mean it was the style at first like when it first got you know previewed and everything i'm like of course, it's not going to be. They always want to kind of try and redesign things because, yeah, it's never going to be what you got when you're a kid. And I'm
5: A-O- like
1: Thundercats roar. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen
0: an episode of that, by the way.
5: Uh, <laughs> the only episode um, of that you need to see is Teen Titans. It. OK, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
3: I, yeah. I just when I saw the designs of the characters, I went now it this is not this is not something that is visually appealing to me but yeah. i wasn't you know i'm not the person to go on the internet right away when there's a movie trailer or a poster or a, or the character designs come out and start going oh, i hate this everybody you need to listen to me your opinion's wrong oh, right you know right. Things to come out and then have your uh, opinion but yeah it was just the, the the grown men on the facebook and the org forums and yeah. everything like that just going at each I, other i
1: wonder how they felt about the 2000 he-man then because the animation for that was terrible i couldn't <gasps> get through it for that i feel the same like the
3: i
2: don't know She-Ra, if we i, I don't know if like we can be animation. friends anymore Oh, <laughs> wanted to I, just, <laughs>
1: I don't know i just couldn't get into that for the same type of reason but the new she i feel like the animation is a little less complicated and it does grow on you if you watch it but I don't know, that 2000 He-Man, even though I had the toys, I couldn't get into it more for that reason. The animation really bothered me. Interesting. It wasn't the regular He-Man, and that's what I wanted at the time.
0: I guess so. And, I mean, it came at a a weird time, too, because, I mean, that's like.
1: That's when the toys kind of died. Like, people stopped kind of collecting toys around that time, I found.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm with you. you know. I don't know if this is how we're segueing even into uh, (laughs) uh, that cartoon in line. Um, At first, when I when I saw how that was being redesigned, I know like the the anime influence around that was huge, was huge. And that's when I first saw that the cartoon designs, I'm like, oh, my goodness, look at the anime influence here. Well, uh, people
1: voted on the hair, and that's what he and, ended up with. <laughs> at,
3: at, I, at first, I was just like, "Oh my goodness, I can't!" And then I started watching the cartoons, and for me, that that series ended too abruptly. Uh, I needed more, and the 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 second season cliffhanger was just too much. And I just wish that was a cartoon that continued.
0: It's funny that we uh, it's funny that we jumped right from uh, Princess of Power and the vintage line right to the 2000s. We just went right over the 90s. Right. Like, did any (laughs) did anybody watch the new adventures? Nope. I could I don't I
1: don't think I ever caught much of it. I just the toys just looked so weird. Yeah. Yeah, He-Man and in I Space. Just didn't have much interest. I might have seen an episode or two, but it's just it was so there, bizarre. There
0: is literally like if you haven't watched it, there's literally like two episodes that tie it to the original cartoon. One is the pilot episode. Oh, it was
1: tied
2: to it.
0: Yeah, the pilot episode has uh has Adam revealing to Randor and Marlena that he is in fact He-Man. And then he gets recruited by a couple of the heroes from Primus that they need someone to go and help them fight the space mutants. And then that's that's what happens. And then there's a, another episode later on in the series where Tila actually comes over to uh, Primus to help He-Man. But outside of that, and the fact that Skeletor kind of goes along with him to become the new leader of the mutants, the, they're very disconnected tonally and visually so so separate
1: oh the animation to me i think just went really like kind of not so much down but very sideways
0: i don't know the name of the studio that they did for it but i want to say that it was an indian animation house that did it so i mean there was a definite uh drop in quality and certainly cost
3: (laughs) yeah yeah i couldn't uh i couldn't get into it when i was a kid and anytime like it would uh let's say when uh classics had um you know how we got a, a monthly classics figure uh let's say a galactic uh, protector or space mutant was one of them yeah you know the debates on the forums again would be going out why are we getting this guy and then you got hey new adventures <laughs> oh and i fun. know and then i'd go and be like all right let's give this cartoon another chance maybe there's something i'm missing maybe i'm still you know uh, my eyes are too clouded that it was just that bad i start watching it and i can never make it through an episode
1: yeah, I feel the same way with when they change animations. It's like the season three and four of Transformers.
2: Oh, It's like yeah, the yeah. first
1: two seasons were just so well done, well written, well animated, and then they changed house and it just went so downhill after that. And
0: that's why I only collect characters from seasons one and two. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're all in agreement. The '90s was a pretty dark time for Masters of the Universe. Yeah. I'm just going to go back one step, just a little bit further. Where do, for you guys, where does the '87 live action movie sit for you guys? I
1: loved it. I abs- <laughs> how could you hate a movie that had Man at Arms sitting in a bush eating chicken? <laughs> like
0: seriously, awesome. how could you
1: hate that?
3: On um, the the antithesis here, because I hated it. I hated it when I first oh, saw kid i can't watch it today the only good thing in the out of that movie that came out was uh i can never get his name is it frank frank langella, langella. for me he's the saving grace of that and the character of sorad coming out except or sorad coming out except for he gets off like halfway through the movie yeah and that was it those are the only two redeeming factors and maybe <laughs> uh evil lynn's In there too, because she was quite uh, menacing here and there. But besides that, if I never had to watch that movie again, (laughs) a okay with it. I don't own it on VHS. I don't own it on DVD. I don't own it on Blu-ray. I would have to be forced to watch that movie again. I
1: don't know. I'm I'm super into the cheesy eighty movies though, and I think for me, I just like it. Just hits me in the nostalgia as much as I couldn't stand the outfits. You know the acting was fairly terrible considering um but they're just there were just these funny little moments it's like the garbage pail kids movie oh yeah it's like it's it's terrible but it's so terrible that it's good
0: it's like up there (laughs) with like critters and leprechaun yeah yeah. and,
1: and i feel like it had its moments and definitely evil and skeletor's characters were really well done i think and so it, it definitely had. Its most, Tilo's were the, was the most awful though. I couldn't stand the way she was dressed up or anything. I'm just like, they did yeah. not make her look yep. anything like it. Costuming and they didn't introduce really any other weird. characters. No, I, I, I was just like, why is this on? You know, it's like they basically did it on Earth so that that way they could just kind of, you know, not have to spend any money on this movie.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You know that that's one of the things that uh, when I was speaking with Scott, we talked about sort of what the live action movie might, could be, possibly be the one that Sony is working on. And, and we talked about how the uh, the film has been pulled from Sony's release schedule. And uh, the thought was that, you know, it's not like Transformers, where the reason why a Transformer movie works is because you can take all those robot characters and you can put them on Earth and it works. Mm-hmm. But you ha- largely have a, a, a fantasy property that takes place in a fantasy world. So it, it requires like a Lord of the Rings level budget or a Star Wars level budget to to do it credibly and so does Sony want to take the risk and spend that kind of money on an untested property that's been you know it's in terms of entertainment that's been dead in the water for but 20 years? Should. Do you think that the live action film can survive the pandemic?
4: The problem is is that it's too expensive to make no matter how you cut it. Okay. It's because it's a fantasy world. We're talking, you know, like Avatar, Lord of the Rings style. Yeah, it's going. There's no way you can make that movie for less than two hundred and fifty million dollars, you know, and make it look good. Yeah. You know, make it if you will, like Transformers take can take place on Earth. And yeah, you've got to CGI the robots, but you don't have to CGI the whole world, you know, if you will. Right. And that's why the original movie took place on Earth. They got him off Eternia. And the, the only scenes in Eternia were a couple backdrops. And the one set they built was the inside of Castle Grayskull, yeah. which they tried to use as much as possible because it was so damn expensive. <laughs> so to make the movie, $250 million make minimum, even if you get like D-list talent, if you will. And you've then got to spend $250 million promoting the movie to re-educate the public that this brand exists because, well, again, for us, He-Man is like top of mind. For most people, it's like, wait, that naked barbarian guy from the right. 80s and there was Orco, and there was a green cat, I think. Very little of, of Motu is recognizable by pop culture at large. Right. Way less than we think. We're biased.
0: Yeah, for sure.
4: Believe me, I've seen the data. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you ask people like name, you know, four things about He-Man, they'll be like, He-Man a green cat little floaty guy. Yeah. That it Skeletor maybe comes up, you know, show a picture of buzz off and they have no idea who that is. Okay. So, so between the cost of making the movie and the cost of promoting the movie, you're talking about half a billion dollars. Yeah. And to do a first movie for half a billion dollars is like no studio is going to like, like basically Sony finally wised up and looked at the numbers and we're like, Oh my God, no, we're not, there's no way we're finding this. Yeah. yeah it's way too expensive to make
3: but they should
1: look at the toy sales right now i mean look at them i know they're, you can't either flying off the shelves and they we're really at the are. age now yeah. where we can spend the money we can take our kids to them and everything so i think you know before i know that this movie has always been you know oh they're gonna make it no they're not gonna make it you know all these years and and i think if they were to ever do it now it's definitely the time they've got the new she cartoon they've got which is doing fairly well, I think, considering that they keep making more seasons of it. So um, it's wrapped it's up done. now.
0: Yeah, they it is, it a is wrapped off up. Yeah. Now? yeah, yeah, it's wrapped up, and uh, I, I won't spoil it for you. But by the time you get to the conclusion, it's pretty clear that uh, there is. Did it, it is, go super woke? It is. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. It yeah. is. It is unlikely to get a, a second season or another. And you know what? That's season. it's sad
1: because they had a good opportunity. I still think the animation in that was well done. They well, really I, needed I to keep up with the main storyline and not diverge from that a bit, but. We want it. I mean, the thing is, I think the taste is there. It's just, you know, when somebody comes in and it's like, oh, here's this beloved thing that you like, we're just going to change it completely. And you're still supposed to love it. It's like, why don't they just give us what we want? Make a real like adult He-Man movie.
3: That, and that's what I know. wanted as a kid with yep. the original P-Man yep. movie. That's why when I first saw it, I, I sat there and went, "What in the hell did yeah, I?" Yeah, they definitely did not make that Yeah, part no, for a,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got you get the girl from the *Dancing in the Dark* video, and uh, you <laughs> know Tom Paris from *Star Trek*, and he hasn't yeah. been in *Star Trek* yet. So, but to
5: its credit, it gave us like one of the first post-credit scenes.
3: Oh, that
0: is true. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Way like before uh, Marvel, no, no payoff though. No. <laughs>
3: Now you guys have me second guessing if I should sit through it again and see what my daughter thinks now that she's watched the cartoons and played with the toys. I'd like to see if she'd say things like, Daddy, that's not He-Man. Or why, where's Eternia and where's Castle Grayskull and stuff like that?
0: I don't know, man. If you took your... I think
1: I'm the only person that's ever liked that movie. Yeah, Out of anyone like I've it. ever talked to, I swear I still think I'm the only one.
0: <laughs> I will I will admit, Crystal, that I it's a it's a once a year or once every other year for me for sure like yeah I,
1: I I watch it maybe well once every five years <laughs> there's
0: there's redeeming qualities in it, and i the fact that you know that that it is part of the masters of the universal lineage makes it okay in my books like there's nothing in in Mo It's better that than was, nothing yeah exactly it is better than nothing <laughs> and if if my option is nothing or something, I'll tend to lean towards something
1: hmm. well i I definitely still think that they, it could have been worse. You know it, they could have definitely done yeah. Skeletor worse for sure. I'm glad that you can see where they put the money in
0: yes. that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the eighty seven the eighty seven movie. <laughs> we may or may not be getting a new live action movie. I'm hopeful. I actually think that uh, it, it would be better suited as a uh, for one of the streaming platforms. To be honest, yeah. Oh who for can, sure,
1: it's like yeah, can I drag it pull out that
0: off. Turn it into a, and, a Game of Thrones style. Uh, but they
1: uh, need to do it adult. I think this is
0: where the missteps series? keep happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorsPlatoon.ca. CollectorsPlatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorsPlatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorsPlatoon.ca today.
1: You're listening to Fandom Power.
0: All right, and that brings us back to the 2000s, and what an incredible time for Masters of the Universe in the 2000s. So we got the Mike Young cartoon, the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. That one, uh, I am particularly fond of it, but maybe it's because I'm a Cam Clark fan, Cam Clark, who voiced uh, He-Man and Adam. And I am He-Man, Defender of Eternia. So I was already interested just because of that.
3: Like I said, you know, at first I saw the designs and I'm like, oh, my goodness, like like in this uh, anime kind of stuff, which isn't my thing. And then once I started getting to, into the stories, I am yeah. like, this is good. But for me, even just jumping to the toys, too, uh, I wasn't collecting a lot of the time. I was doing lots of uh, of my post-secondary stuff. And the only expendable money I really had to collect uh, figures at that time, I was doing Playmates World of Springfield line at the time. Oh, that yeah, was my yeah, all- yeah. That was was a lot of those. (laughs) Yeah, that was the only thing that I really spent my money on for figures. I wasn't even doing Star Wars stuff then. And uh, I just remember, though, most of the time when I ever was in the toy stores, though, for that line, it was just pegs and pegs of He-Man and Skeletor variants. You could not you could not find any of the other characters you just you get know all the he-man the skeletors and all the different variations and i barely even saw any of the other figures even if i was going to collect them it seemed like everybody would just get them all the other characters and leave he-man and skeletor or you know actually
1: was- i had to, you know i it was even harder than that actually for me i had the whole first uh two series of the run of the set i had the whole all of them and I had a guy that I knew that worked at Toys R Us mm-hmm. and he would put them, one of each aside for me in the back. And that was the only way I could get them.
0: Wow. I had not come back to toys as a collector for 2000X, but my oldest son was at the age where it was new for him. And so on a on a purely nostalgic, you know, like, oh, these are cool. I bought him one and it was the, uh, oh, it was the Battle Armor He-Man, I think. What I find interesting about 2000X, at least with the toy line, is that the very thing that kept the vintage toy line fresh with the constant, you know, changing of, like, variants was the very thing that killed the 2000X line. You know, like, almost, like... <laughs> I think their their packing
3: ratio, too. I think their packing ratio was something crazy, like the reissues of He-Man and Skeletor with all these new variants, and they would have, like one or two of the new figures to go along with them per yeah. like pack 12 or something like i remember hearing it was just ridiculous what mattel was doing with their packing ratios and i uh, mean like
1: the new castle grayskull right now
0: oh well there is that uh.
1: <laughs> don't even get me started on that one
3: <laughs> I, I got one of those
1: i did not
3: um, i've been my,
1: trying <laughs> the only sorceress comes with that one
3: <laughs> my uh, my wife ended up a month ago just heading to walmart for groceries and she comes in with a box i'm like what's that she goes look I'm like, get oh, out of here. that's
0: a pretty big good box timing. to come home with. That's good
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, she knows what I like. So yeah, of course she does. <laughs> get out of here! But, uh, I've seen
0: but pictures I've of your this. house. I know.
3: <laughs> uh, I heard it's. I, I heard that one is extremely hard to find. find right now. I heard each, Walmart apparently. Each
1: Walmart got a box of
3: four, and that was it. From what I was wow. prepared, I told. I heard Walmart is canceling orders in the U.S. On <sighs> them because they don't even. They can't even. They can't even get them.
1: Oh jeez. that's but. At least going back to the the 2000 toys, though, yeah. it's, for me, the reason why, like, I never really was into the cartoon as much, because the animation just killed me. I couldn't get into it. I do mm. like anime, but just He-Man wasn't an anime cartoon, and I feel like they just kind of went a little bit too far on that. I do hear that the storyline was good, so I might actually have to revisit it. So but the toys I got into, because I was just so desperate to just have He-Man toys, I, and that was all that was available, I think the good thing they did was that they, because, you know, you mentioned the Simpsons you were collecting at the time and the little metal feet and they're talking and stuff. So the Castle Gray Skull was fitted with all that and all the figures you could put into it and it would talk and all of that, which I thought was innovative at the time. a lot of the toys were kind of going that route, but uh, it fizzled out quick though. I think I was buying them for about a year and a half. And after that, they weren't, you couldn't even really get them anymore. Yeah. If, so you can, if
0: you can get your hands on a copy of the DVDs of the 2002 series, Crystal, I highly recommend that you give it another chance and particularly check out the director's commentary when, the, when Mike Young and the guys are sitting there watching it and they're talking about the series. And just keep this in mind when you're watching it that 2000X was originally conceived to be the direct continuation of the Filmation series, even though it, it eventually did not become that. But you can yeah. see, you can see all those elements like, uh, for example... Skeletor's sword is uh, clearly a throwback to he has both halves of the original power sword, right? So that's kind of where that (laughs) comes from. Why He-Man has this mechanical-looking sword is, you know, Man-at-Arms had to build him a new sword.
1: Well, they did. They definitely did get more into the mythos a little bit and stuff. Sometimes the animation will stop me. It's like, you know, Star Wars Clone Wars. I finally started watching that, and I'm like, wow, the storyline is so good. Again, I can't stand the animation so much, but the storyline was... It's really well done. So sometimes you kind of just have to take one for the other.
0: <laughs>
3: yes, for sure.
0: Yeah, and then I think you you kind of nailed it too, Pete. That second season with the the Snake Men ended so abruptly, mm. and and you're like, oh, what's what's happening now? And and then it just kind of it kind of died.
3: What a ridiculous concept.
0: Yeah, and I think
3: in the uh, the DVD set that I have, I think that as a bonus of a DVD feature that you've got the script that was going to be the first episode for season three yeah just where they were gonna go and you start reading half of it and you're like i can't even read the. you don't want to read the rest because you're in tears it's because heartbreaking you it on your <laughs> tv yeah. Uh, yeah i um hadn't planned that far ahead so do you guys
1: think that that kind of abruptly ended more because people weren't buying toys like i was buying toys at eb games consistently around that time this was like i really started ramping up my collecting uh and probably the end of the 90s that was a lot of Winneka and Tom McFarlane and everything but then about 2001 2002 nobody was buying toys anymore I don't know if my generation just because we started working and couldn't afford them or really what was going on and then you had EV Games didn't even sell toys until Pops came
4: yeah that's right almost a
1: decade yeah yeah, so you it was really hard and I'm wondering if it was just the timing of that cartoon and possibly because nobody was just buying any toys at the time they decided to just drop it off.
3: I'd be surprised if there was no correlation between them cancelling it and uh, and the toy sales. I don't like know. One-
0: you know, you look at the late 90s and what was popular in the 90s, and I, I just maybe just me, that I'm kind of pulling this out of nowhere, but like things like the 1990s X-Men and the toy biz, like the the explosion of toy biz figures, did maybe they kind of like market saturation and maybe people were, mm-hmm. like you say, just kind of fed up with it.
1: Yeah, well, especially when they make them harder to find. Like, yeah. like you said, you know, you weren't able to find them anywhere, and I had to get a guy to basically hold them for me so I could get them. Otherwise, yeah. you were right. When I'd go in there, they were just pins and pins of all the same two One, or three yeah, figures, character. and most of them were the variants. They weren't even their actual figures.
3: Well, the, yeah, the hottest toys at the time, from what I remember, wasn't that when Marvel Legends just first
5: came out? And those the the were Toy the Biz ones
0: Legends. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's about I
5: right. McFarlane and Movie Maniacs from, had dropped then, too.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah, Todd McFarlane even yeah. pretty much stopped making all the toys except for the hockey figures. I think he kept oh, making yeah. the hockey figures, but right. he stopped making toys up until what, like three or four years ago. I feel like I'm getting older; my years are running <laughs> to themselves. But he only just recently started uh, doing right. the toys again. Relaunch. Relaunched. And I, relaunched a I didn't even realize and... he had completely stopped, other than the then because I was collecting them, a lot of them back then, and uh, even myself. I think I even took a period in my 30s where I really wasn't collecting too much at the time.
0: Yeah, with the 2000x toy line specifically, like not only did they have like crazy variants like Samurai Skeletor and Samurai. Oh Hina, yeah, that started getting ridiculous. But like, <laughs> I don't understand this. Why did every basic figure have a repaint? Why? Ah uh, ah uh, uh. The triclops, the merman. That's gotcha. where you get the disco Skeletor from. Is yeah. the, is the repaint? <laughs>
3: They they had them on the regular cards and then they put them on the the Snake Man cards but yeah, with different
0: like repaints. Yeah. Like right. Yeah. I just found that so bizarre and for me like I'm not gonna lie I mean I have a pretty robust 2000x collection but I did not even bother going for any variant paints. I just want original paint scheme original character no variant that's all. <laughs> Once
1: they did the samurai I pretty much stopped then. That was when I stopped. I'm just like hey, this is getting a little silly. I
0: don't I don't blame
5: you. <laughs> But I at the same me. time, right, like there was an episode which involved them donning samurai armor. That is true. So that as, is, true. you know, your younger self, you always wanted every possible version. And then they finally gave it to us. So you yeah. could reenact every episode.
1: I, know, I think they felt like even the sorceress, for example, I, I did, but I still have her. I'm I love
0: that and, version of the and, sorceress. And the thing
1: is, I can't stand it. I, really? Her by herself, like that, I, I love her as herself. But as a he-man character and as the yeah. sorceress and knowing her backgrounds and everything, like how is she Egyptian all of a sudden? Yeah, <laughs> like, just that a was re-
0: always kind of like, why did they do that?
4: It's the sorceress, you boob. I
0: don't know, but and I, maybe I just, it's maybe it's it the whole uh, what's her name, Vena? It's Vena, I yes. think it is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, King Grayskull's wife, Vena. I think that's where the uh, the idea sort of comes from. Okay. That, yeah, yeah. I could be wrong on that one, but I think that's where it comes from.
1: I mean, nope, the figure in the cartoon character looked amazing, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I just thought that it was just like, what does this have to do with He-Man? Yeah,
0: the Egyptian iconography was like a little misplaced because there was nothing else that really lent itself to that. No,
1: <laughs> and there were no other figures that looked like that either. <laughs> so
0: true. So true. What's a really strong point for Masters at this time is this is where we are introduced to the Four Horsemen as the Four Horsemen sculpted all the two. This is their first shot at, at yeah. doing at doing Masters uh and you know you look at where they are now it's 2021 and they're still doing (laughs) masters you know what i mean like after 2000x it was the four horsemen that were like hey we're not done with this and they're Mm -hmm. the ones that went to neca to say hey can you guys like maybe pitch or go for the license so that we can do more stuff and that's how we ended up with the stactions the Mm -hmm. statues i think they look
1: amazing but i just wish it would have been of the like original
0: they did some variant ones. I know. I have a I have a variant He-Man, which is the it's the filmation style He-Man, but it's a it's a NECA staction. Oh. I can't even remember where I got it from. I don't think I've seen that one. I'll take a picture of it and I'll send it to you when uh, when we are when we're done here today.
1: I'm just gonna make me want to buy more stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the thing of oh, if I could afford some of these like the busts and and the and the statues, some of them oh wow, like the. Some of the newer, like, Shiro ones especially. They're just so incredibly well done.
0: So, two, mm-hmm. 2000X comes and goes. We get two seasons of a show. We get a bunch of figures that are, you know, again, polarizing in the fan community because we're not sure how to take it. And then we have this kind of, like, you know, dark period where there's nothing. And then along comes, what, 2008 San Diego Comic-Con, and lo and behold, there's Mattel with this this action figure, and it's King Grayskull. The future of Eternia depends upon it. And King Grayskull ends up launching the uh, the Masters of the Universe Classics line. Yeah. And just before that, too, they had uh, the, during, I
3: think, one of the Comic-Cons or toy fairs, they had uh, the four horsemen sculpt a Classics He-Man, and they kind of just put him- Yes, like in- that's right. Right? And they didn't say anything. They 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 weren't really talking about it. They were just going to be like, let's put this here and see how many people come up to us and say anything or Get the you know, is, are people going to yeah report on it or whatever? And it blew up. Where
1: did this He-Man come from? Does anyone know? I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. It blew up. Everybody was like, what is this? What are you going to do with this? I want this. <laughs> and I think that's where everything with uh, like Mattel, the horseman, Scott and everything started, you know, they started to get talking about it.
1: They finally made something we wanted. That's why.
0: (laughs) You know, for me, it was a case of, for me, they made something I didn't know I needed. And that's in the truest sense of the word. I didn't know I needed it until I saw it. And then I was like, yes, this is for me. This is the one that I need. And so much like you, Pete, I was an all-in subscriber right from day one. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, I think I, I kept my subscription current right up to 2015. And by 2015, I was getting so sick and tired of all the variant characters and, and characters that I had no emotional connection to that I just stopped. And I, I started cherry picking off the last few ones that I wanted. So
3: Yeah. And there were a lot of people that
4: um, that ended up doing that as well. <laughs> So with Maddie Collector, the subscribers basically just took the place of retailers within that established system. Yeah. And that was, you know, so like when the subscriptions would come up, we'd show you guys six figures, you know, give or take. And that would represent a year of product. And we'd need you to commit as a subscription to eat. And it was the, so it, it basically found a way of getting the Mattel sell in system right. to work directly to fans, but maintain the same. Uh, guarantee that you know right a year could be and that was it was why because subs, as long as the subscribers were were you know subscribing yeah <laughs> it, that's what allowed the endless uh, character selection
3: and that's why uh even with of course the good old fan communities online yeah when they were giving like hey if you buy the sub you're gonna get this and when they announced shadow weaver for one year yeah oh my goodness that must have blew up the internet
0: that's a bone of contention for crystal because that's oh the man one Actually, i did
3: finally
1: get her though i did. did i finally finally got her mm-hmm. that was the thing i didn't since i don't go to comic cons or anything like that and i have my busy life I, and since toys kind of went on the wayside and you know they weren't really making toys in general and they just weren't being bought in stores so much so i didn't even notice until a few years later that they had start doing these classics yeah. and then They were convention releases in the beginning, and it's like, oh man, they're so expensive. But I just—they were gorgeous, just so well done, and I just fawned over them, and especially Shadow Weaver, which was never made. And since I have all the original collection, and it's like, okay, I gotta get this figure. And it took me—I finally got it about maybe six months ago. So,
3: (laughs) I can even ask you what you paid for it
1: actually i want to know why i only got it six months ago because i paid fifty dollars for it oh well done well done yeah i think a bunch of boxes must have come up because if you look on ebay now too they are a bit um not as expensive i don't know what happened but i think somebody somewhere in a stock room had a bunch of boxes of them and put them out into the world because they were they were like 200 bucks something plus for a long time and then i saw one i'm like 50 bucks I'm like, what? And now they're about 70, 80 bucks right now, I think. Really?
0: Yeah. There was a period there where people were really, really, and I mean really upset with Mattel because when Maddie Collector went down, when, yes. they, when they were discontinuing the line, all of the customer service stock went to big lots in the US
1: yes oh is that what happened i bet yeah. you that's probably about the time i bought uh, that i noticed it come out so that's probably where it came from
0: yeah there was like total fan outrage it's like what i couldn't get a replacement for my damaged figure but now they're at big lots for 20 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever Ugh. they were like it was just
5: yes you all.
0: it was very upsetting for for the fan community at that yeah, point yeah the guy
1: the guy that i bought off on ebay had at least 20 of them oh my so that's why God. i ended up getting it for that cheap
0: 20 shadow weavers yeah, who, who would have thought? Army Building Shadow yeah. Weaver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Classics is kind of the in my opinion is sort of the high water mark. You've got a, a toy line that's run from uh, 2008 to 2018. It's spanned two companies and there are well over 300 figures. I mean, there is very few toy lines that uh, I mean, obviously GI Joe and Transformers maybe some of the, the and Star Wars obviously rival those, but what a crazy run that that Masters has had. i feel like they tried to
1: outdo themselves and every figure that never was made they actually made them like i you know madam raz is another one that i've been kind of hunting for and didn't buy it when it was cheap enough and now she's like 200 bucks and it's like are you kidding me oh yeah yeah and yeah and 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 i mean who wants that i want it because i just won't have all the she-ra stuff and they never made a figure of her but you know for the most part some of them it's I just, I dislike how hard they made these figures to get because they're the next step before getting a resin statue, basically.
0: Is it the, you know, the subscription model that maybe put people off, you know, having well, to Well, I didn't know about it. And yeah. before
1: I knew about it, it was already way too late. The This series had already run its course almost. So I'm left scrambling trying to cherry pick what yep. I can find yep. at this point.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I couldn't imagine people, uh, you know, l- like you halfway through or near the end going, these are oh figures i want them uh because I used it to
1: took a them. while before i started getting them i had to find them cheap and it took a while
3: <laughs> i was always like where are you people like this has been going for a while now and then you know you just you got to realize that people just you know unless... i was living
1: in quebec at the time
3: <laughs> just to talk about like when you're talking about shadow weaver's price and madame raz just just for giggles yesterday uh because i never look at the the prices of them online i still you do know, there's I, a few figure... i still
0: want to pick <laughs> And
3: I'm just, I'm looking at the prices and going, I can't believe the majority of the characters on card that are over or even loose that sell between 150 to $200 now.
0: I looked Uh, at origins
1: are going to be like that and look at how incredibly different they are in in quality.
0: I want to, I do want to talk about origins because I have some, I have some interest, I have some strong opinions about that, that I think I'd like to, to bounce off you guys, but, just to go back to the secondary market thing for classics, like I was shocked when I looked up and I'm like, my loose classics scare glow sells for as much as a vintage one.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you know I mean? surpassed, like, they
3: surpassed the price for the yeah. vintage a long time ago. Yeah, and, and for yeah. me too, like not only the power con ones like Granomir and the three packs, they're yeah. up for five to six us. And I, that still blows my mind. Yeah, me too. But to, see, to see, I think one of the, the biggest ones I was giving, Shadow Weaver, a run for her money was Fisto, and to see loose and it, like loose Fisto figures sell like the uh, like if you click the actual selling, yeah, 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 selling for 200 to 280 US for a loose figure. Wow, uh, I cannot believe it. It was the first time in a long time before you know, just to kind of do a little bit of research before this little uh podcast here. I hadn't looked in years and just to see the amount of loose and carded uh classics figures going for t- over $200 blows my mind and there's the market for them. It's not that people are just having them up saying, "Oh, please somebody buy it for this." People are buying it. If you're- no, I I couldn't I
1: couldn't get over that that once they started surpassing the old fig- it's like how could you have the old original figures in mint condition and still the classics, I mean, obviously the, the build quality is a lot nicer and everything, but still having a new toy surpassing a price on a, a vintage one, I always found really shocking.
0: Mm-hmm. I think if you're a completist, like if you're, and Pete, we know that you were very much that way. I'm,
3: I'm very I got, much that way. <laughs> I've got two figures I need. I need that bronze King Grace the bronze
0: statue version, yeah. yeah.
3: And a battle armor faker. They're the only Oh, two. yeah not have in class
0: battle armor faker is one of the last ones that i would like to to pick and i mean the he only came in that DCUC versus motu uh retail pack so i now don't we know never how, saw him. i don't know how i'm gonna get him i <laughs> had an opportunity nope. a while ago but man he was expensive <laughs> That alarm yes.
3: was yesterday was 400 US loose.
0: Yeah, that's not where uh, yeah, I don't I don't have the, you know, I couldn't. I mean,
1: at some point I figure this may drop off. It's just so crazy to to watch this and see just how far it's running with these prices and everything, especially considering like you say for completists it's really difficult. I was a completist for years and I yeah. had to learn not to. Yeah, me too. Just cause <laughs> I can't afford it. Like I can't. I had to be like, okay, let's just pick the fi- like I probably have about maybe six of the classics. And that's all I can afford, you know, if I were to try and get, and I had, like I said, I'd had all the original ones, so I'm only missing a small percentage of the original. So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on getting the original ones and try to complete that. And, you know, if I can find a classic at a good price, I'll grab it. But otherwise, it's, well, this and is, they made so many. They this is so where many. I was,
0: and this is the thing, like classics, if you want to say that, you know, Ma- uh, Motu has a swan song, classics is it. I mean, yeah. this this is the line. Like, will there ever be? I mean, Origins is out there now. Does Origins even stand a chance when you have a line like Classics that was so much about the celebration of Motu across all of its media? Which is why I, I
1: don't know why they're doing the Origins, to be honest, because of the Classics. When I saw that, I'm just like, you know, they. I, I would love to be able to put those, the Origins, in kids' hands. I have a theory. But then you on still that. have the flippers. That are going in and taking everything. So now we're even these cheap origin ones that should just be going to kids so new kids can enjoy it. Yeah, these are what I 20 like, twenty
0: dollar figures at retail.
1: Yeah. And I feel under. like the yeah. unfortunately, because there's such a craze over the He-Man and the classics and all of that, that the flippers are just taking this so the kids don't even get to enjoy these ones. And yeah, these are the yeah. ones that I would personally, if I had kids, I'd let them play with the origins. I wouldn't let them play with the classics. Right, of course, right, right. You oh, know, but now they're not getting them. Classics. <laughs>
3: Yeah, don't tell my daughter you she can't play with my classics. That would break her heart. Oh Actually, no. She's really gentle with them, thankfully. She's got a couple of like ones that I had to get a, a second one of because of something busting on them or a, a defect, so I bought another one. Uh so she has like some of her own. But I mean, you know, when you're talking about West that, you know, was classics, the Swan song. Yeah. And I'll that as I've got my classics. I have not bought, besides my wife uh, buying me the Origins Castle, castle. Grayskull, yeah. because I wanted to go with all my other Grayskulls. Sure. I've not bought an Origins figure. No, because neither have I. No so interest. Like classics to me is like the epitome of Masters, and if I want to spend any more money on Masters until I see maybe what's up and coming, I'd rather spend my money trying to complete a loose like vintage collection or a vintage yeah, on card- sure, sure. <laughs> Then, then spend money on on origins. Why would I want like a, a new version of an old figure when I could just go and try and save money to hunt down and the the old vintage figure. Vintage figure. <laughs> and, I wasn't
1: gonna buy them. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help myself when I found them in the store. I was able to get a couple of them. Was so that was I, that
0: buyer's impulse? Was that what that was or?
1: I think so, because I ended up finding a couple of them in the store, and then I ended up ordering a couple of them online. But I have my few figures that I really, really like collecting over the board. Like, I still do have some of the X figures, even though I sold most of them off. I I still kept some of the main characters that I enjoy. So I think that's more for me. The origins only came into play because it's just getting those same figures that i've collected over three or four different versions the toy of them. companies
0: really know how to hit us in the nostalgia beats right like yeah, it's, they, it's they tough know. but
1: they're but they're terrible I, I can't stand points of articulation in my toys i'm one of those the, and the uh, these origin figures me. are tough they're tough because they look like crap <laughs> as far as that's concerned like they just it's like you know, you've got the classics and then you have, I just don't understand why the origins just kind of weren't a remake of the original ones. And instead they kind of made them a bit the same, but then let's give them all these points of articulation and everything. And I think that kind
3: of ruined it. I think more collectors would be ticked off if they didn't have the points of articulation. Cause you're you're, like super seven already did their kind of.
1: Yeah. I've seen
3: those ones like with their articulation. So, you know, they're, they're trying to blend both of them. And again, too, like, you know, with all these cartoons on Netflix coming out, you know, going back to saying, do we really want a movie? Like, is, can they make a movie? Again, this is all testing the waters. And is it now that kids are buying them? No, it's people our age are buying them and then trying to flip them and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it what is the demand? Uh, who is the target audience buying these? And that's what I think Mattel has to sit there and figure out in the brand to see, you know, where are they going to where are they going to go with the property? And I think then the next uh, litmus test is going to be the two new series coming out. So I think this this is all like just, um, you know, the the start of them really trying to see where is He-Man, you know, in 2020 and onwards. Right. I
1: think they could at least see from what they've done so far, don't you think? I mean, considering that they have the classic cartoon and that, that you look at the classic figures are the two things that people are after the most out of all of the mythos of He-Man, and, I think. So it's like, they need to just give us what we are asking for. And I think that in some of the, like the 2000X and the new She-Ra and everything, it's like, it's it's just not, it's not it.
0: If you guys aren't uh, watching uh, Scott Knightlick's YouTube channel, I highly recommend it. It's uh, Spectre Creative, and, and he really mm-hmm. pulls back sort of the veil on sort of the consumer goods and how the retail chain kind of works uh, Mm. only because he's got you know 25 plus years of experience in that and it's shocking to realize that you know when you talk about toys that why especially now not only do we have a pandemic that we're having to deal with and that's creating issues with release dates and and things on the schedule how they're getting produced but basically toys the first 20% of toys are uh, are targeted for uh, collectors and then, then the other 80% are for kids. So that's why, you know, we as collectors make up such a small, we think that we're the biggest thing going, but in the bigger picture, we are such a small sliver of the uh, toy buying community that we're really, we're generally not the first thing that the toy companies are thinking of when it comes to toys. And that includes mass market lines like Masters of the Universe Origins. So, mm-hmm. you know, part of that, you know, having, you know, not being able to find them. And I'll, and I'll use the, uh, the NECA Ninja Turtles as an example. They were like near impossible to find a year ago, partially because they were a U.S. exclusive. But when the license got expanded to include international, here we are a year later, and the the nineteen ninety movie turtles are are readily available in several places now. So you know, well, it's that, that gives me
1: hope at least a bit about the origins. Yeah, yeah. That... Again, do you think that maybe sometimes that gives a false narrative where you've got a small percentage of the collectors buying the toys up and the flippers buying everything oh i and do I And absolutely if we're not do. buying them at the rate that the kids would be, right, then that's destroying the toy line in itself.
0: Yeah. Yep. I, I definitely I actually never even
1: really thought of that. And yeah. that's just even more sad and disappointing. Isn't it though? Because yeah. I would love to see these the origins especially I would love to see in kids' hands.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. they're
1: so close to the original and they can play with them and they've got those yeah. of articulation. They've which, got like I that... said for me, I don't care but as a kid, I would would have loved that to be able to bend them more and stuff like that.
0: As the gateway to toys for my children, I am more inclined to walk in and go, oh, look, there's a He-Man figure. Looks like the one that I had when I was a kid. It's only 20 bucks. Yep, I'll buy that and give it to my, you know, seven-year-old versus... That Masters of the Universe, He-Man, he's 150 bucks. That classic yeah. figure, you're not getting. Well, that it's one. <laughs>
1: it's like the Castle Grayskull. I mean, it's all day long for two, two fifty now. I'm not yeah. going to spend that. No, I no. want it. I would love to have kids to be able to play with that. But I, you know, instead of my original, of course, because I have all the parts and everything. Nobody's no kid hands up touching that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's like I'm not going to pay 200 dollars for it. I'm just not. No. You know, I I I'm okay to spend a little more than what it costs, but not that much.
0: So where with Masters of the Universe and and kind of moving forward with like where it might be going, I just want to ask you guys: Were you guys aware that Mattel does not actually own the brand?
1: I thought Super Seven owns the rights now for it. So it's no, something along it's, that lines.
0: It's a weird, convoluted thing that that goes back to like the selling of rights over several years, and then the buying and selling of companies, but. The short version is Masters of the Universe as a brand is actually owned by Universal, as in Universal Pictures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's this big looming, essentially Mattel, when you go and you buy a Masters of the Universe figure, you see the Mattel logo on it, and it's all completely legal because Mattel has basically first right of refusal on any toys. But that agreement is coming up for expiry in 2023. Huh. So... This is, we had this big run with classics uh, at Mattel uh, right up to 20, oh my God, was it 16 before Super 7 took it over? Yeah, Uh, about that. Yeah, yeah. 17. Super 7 goes hard, goes really strong with classics right up until 20, uh, last year? 2018. And then without any warning, without any advanced, boom, gone. And instantly Mattel is producing Masters of the Universe toys again for retail. Not for direct to consumer model, but for retail.
3: Yeah, that blew everyone away. Didn't it though? Yeah, yeah mm. sure did. I was actually I actually felt really bad for you know Super Seven because you know they were trying to take things that the fans wanted, like classics yeah. and uh, they club did such baseball, a great job. And on my site, when I've reviewed some of those toys, I have given them the, the what for with some of their, you know, uh, design choices yep. or the even the shiny glossy plastic that yeah. is the figures or a couple of the other things. But, I mean, I was still so appreciative that the line kept going. And, you oh, know, thank goodness I still had the opportunity to do, like, Snake Mountain and everything. But, I, you know, the fans were still clamoring. And I think they were hinting that they had a, a plan to keep going to also not only do more Club Grayskull, which I thought would have been great because I really enjoyed, for the most part, taking uh, or seeing them... Uh, continue on making our filmation figures in the classic style yep. without them being yeah. quote unquote classicized like scott would kind of say yeah sure i also wanted to see you know who else were they going to make like what concept characters like from the uh power and honor foundation or those other kind of books where they show like some of the prototypes that they had what were they going to do with those what other kind of um like were they going to get to some of the new adventure um, villains like uh, butthead or lizar right, you know, right. Uh, even though i didn't like the cartoon i loved what the horseman did with yeah the, me too uh, new adventure mm-hmm. villains and mm-hmm. you know i wanted to keep seeing what what brian and super seven could do and then when i saw what they were switching over to with origins i almost threw my computer because i'm like <sighs> oh my god oh, yeah. they're switching it's such a
1: downgrade to... considering uh,
3: so that it, i was like I, I think it was right there i knew i was I was done and I wasn't probably even going to touch Origins. I, I'm like, why am I going to go backwards?
0: I think it's easy for us as collectors to sit back and collectively scratch our heads and do that. Like, like what's, what are you doing? But I'm, I'm going to ask, I asked this to Scott and I'm going to ask you guys. If you were Mattel and you knew that that looming 2023 date was coming, would you not Throw everything at the wall, masters of the universe, to to show Universal that come twenty twenty three, you're still the right place to leave the brand.
4: Anything they say no to, even now, right. then that automatically triggers Universal to have the right to go to another toy company. Right. So they have they're sort of in a position it's like a rock and a hard place. Yeah, they have to say yes. Right. Otherwise, another toy company starts making He-Man toys like that.
0: I think they are.
3: That's why we're going to be yeah. getting two new toy lines coming out yep. for two different cartoons with more um I think there's a new uh, dark horse comic coming out to tie in.
0: I just saw so, the news for that yesterday actually. Yeah.
3: So I mean I really think they are. Uh not only that they're throwing uh uh, uh they're throwing mega constructs.
0: Well this is it, right? Uh,
3: and I I love mega constructs. That's where my current masters money is going. I love mega constructs so much Did you i have see? more fun with them and i love the designs of them and the 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 castle grayskull and the and the the vehicles that's what's uh, capturing me for masters right now uh, is mega Construct. so i'm just really happy to see now am i gonna you know they've already kind of previewed yeah what the new figures might kind of look like but i mean of course they were small pictures and prototypes and stuff so I'll reserve judgments till I see, you know, what's going to be going out. But I, I really do think they are. That's that's they're they're going to try and do merchandise for both upcoming features, and they're going to keep seeing what sticks and what people are buying.
0: Yeah, I agree. I with just you on
1: that. wish I wish they would figure out how to get their products into the stores properly. Again, I'm still really crumpy about this Castle Grey Skull scenario. With the origins, it's like basically, if I want Sorceress, she only comes with the Castle Skull. And then, you know, like you said, they're canceling orders now. Up here, we only, I think, each got four per Walmart. And it's like, I don't understand why they, you know, you can get 100 Zodaks or something like that, all, you know, in it going into the stores, but you can't get the thing that the people want.
0: My, so it's a really tough, me as a retailer, as a toy retailer, I would love it if the big companies like Hasbro and Mattel. Would embrace the independent retailer directly, you for know, sure. make their stuff available to our wholesale chains because we are still the gateway for adult collector lines. You know, like I've said this many times before. You know, if NECA ever breaks into Walmart the way that they have in the U.S., I might as well close my doors because it's one oh, of the, really? it's one yeah it's one of the few lines that I can actually still be uh, can be competitive with. I can't compete. Mm. I cannot compete with Marvel Legends. I cannot compete with Transformers because they are mass market toy lines. So it's a it's a double edged sword. Unfortunately, right? it's
1: it's happening to lots of other things. Like you know, I I told you I have I have my business. I I sell yeah. some other stuff, and yeah. and you can get that on Amazon now. You can get right. it on Walmart third party. So That's it's right. like you know, you're getting all these small stores that you know were nice and unique, and you could you know go there and and find these certain things. And now it's like, Oh, you just go on Amazon and get it. Everybody like, okay.
0: wants their own marketplace. Now we actually got, yeah. this is a side story. We actually got solicited by Best Buy to be, to join the Best Buy third party oh. uh, retailer oh, network, really? which I absolutely refused. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, great. I, I'm on the Best Buy website and I'll have access to all their, you know, their customer base. But at the same time, what they wanted me to do as a retailer for the cut that they wanted, it was not worth it for me to do that. I, I would have to be like, Toy traders in size for me to make it worth it for me. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I was going to say they probably would want a pretty big chunk of your your sale to be able to offer you their 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 channel. To exactly. To they
0: want yeah. you to they want you to be as close to their uh, retail policies as you can be, which includes their shipping model. Sorry, I c- I can't afford to do free shipping on every order. I just can't. It's no. not. It's not. No, and that's viable. what I. That's
1: actually what I'm dealing with right now too. It's like. I want to try to offer free shipping, and it's like, where is my break point? Like, and then
4: you have yeah. to charge
1: more. So yeah. it's like, again, they can go to Walmart or wherever, Toys R Us, and get a figure for fifteen dollars, but you're selling it for twenty or twenty-five right. to to have to compensate for that free shipping. It's just not fair.
0: I still think there's a place for the specialty retailer, like what you're doing and what I'm doing, and that the customer service aspect will always will will always be that well, little feather in our cap. What?
1: That's the thing with the Funko, where they were doing the specialty series, and the specialty series were only supposed to be carried in little small stores, and now you can get it at Toys R Us.
0: Yeah, I find that to be completely, like, not, yeah. Don't get me started on that, (laughs) because I've I've stopped (laughs) carrying.
1: That'll be a whole other podcast, I've stopped
0: carrying Funko altogether. (laughs) I just, I don't even order it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 2023, the the brand is coming up. We don't know what's going to happen with it. I personally think that Mattel is, like I said before, I think that they're doing everything they possibly can to to make a statement to say like, "Hey, leave it with us." And as Scott said, and and uh, in our interview, he's like, "Well, they kind of have to because as soon as they say no, like if Universal says we want you to do like a kids line." you know, like a pre-preschool line, which is why you now have Fisher-Price Little People. Uh, I, I Masters actually of the Universe. Have those two. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, so, I love it. It's but, so cute. <laughs> as soon as Mattel says no, then they can go anywhere else that they want to, and then another toy company can produce those form factors. So that's, I think, I really do think that's why we're seeing this, like, surge of, like, Masters of the Universe merchandise across several different lines hot wheels well, little kids that toys. little people yes.
1: surprised me actually yeah. Yeah, when yeah. i saw that i was just I, I had to get it i was like i just cannot not get it but yeah well, it, it's uh, interesting to have them in, as a baby's toy
3: are you talking about the, the minis or do they actually have like like the little fit, the fisher little,
0: price little people
3: price little people yeah, yeah. The, They've made it, you
1: know, they've, they've been making actually all sorts of different ones, like Lord of the Rings. And you can find like, I think the Beatles, the weirdest one they made that I saw is the office. I mean, what little baby wants to play with the office (laughs) pickers? So I don't know if they're trying to aim at collectors more or kids or both, because it seems like in a weird thing, what they're making.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, It's weird. But again, now that, you know, when you realize that they're, you know, that whole, we might lose this. Now you kind of go, Oh, that's why.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I do. Like you were saying with the mega constructs that you were enjoying them. You know what? I, I only ended up getting the like set of five and I mm-hmm. haven't opened them, but I would have loved to, again, you know, buy that for some kids or have them
3: play with it. But they're so expensive. Yeah, my, like, my Lego God. is two though nowadays, but it's. It <laughs> yeah, they, they are cheaper than than uh, than the Lego. And, they are, uh, yeah. you know, like the vehicles usually have like, you know, two characters. Uh, I just ended up uh, making the battle ram with my daughter, but I've got the wind raider, I've got the the Roton. Those are great. And then oh, all you're the telling little...
1: me I, I've been humming and hawing whether I wanted to get more into them because they yeah, do look really fun. But I,
3: I haven't fun. just the first few couple figures. They're so fun. I think they're just so well done. And I don't know. It it's just uh that added step of of building and then mm-hmm. you know Kind of posing them that way, but then also, then I get to share that fun with my daughter because I'm not worried about her, you know, breaking a a, a piece off of of a, a mega construct set, or mm-hmm. she pops the head off one or something like that. And she loves them because she thinks they're so cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a win-win because she'll sit there and she'll help me sort out pieces and we'll kind of look at stuff. So it's helping her build and stuff. So I guess it it's almost like a bonding thing more than just me collecting them uh-huh. and admiring them. And well, the artwork that's, that's... on the boxes are fantastic for the vehicles, too.
1: Yeah, that's actually something that now, you know, getting older and now I'm starting to look more, you know, it's like, what about the kids? You know, it's like I've just been so collector brained for so long and. You know, it, it's it's sad when, you know, like I said, you are seeing these flippers and they're just taking it all and trying to flip it to other collectors that are never going to open it. And it's just sad that, you know, this was a, a, something we got to enjoy when we were little. I would love to see more of them being available so little kids can enjoy them just like we did.
3: Mm-hmm. And some people, too, they're like, you let your daughter play with your classics Castle Grayskull? I'm like, yeah. what happens if she i'm like it doesn't matter it's mine i'm not gonna sell it anyway yeah and i'm not Mm -hmm. about it just watching her play and you know me thinking about what i was like when i was her age that's where i'm getting even more money and more value out of it is me knowing i've spent money it's something i'm enjoying and now my daughter is enjoying it too and it you know that just makes me happy and and for her to be enjoying the property and, and enjoying something that i enjoyed when i was a kid as well you can't put a price on that. So, you know, it doesn't bother me whatsoever. But she is so digging the uh, the mega construct stuff.
1: That's really great to hear. I, I'm really glad to see that there are kids that are so getting into it. And hopefully it'll keep it going. Again, if they can just give us what we want <laughs> instead of making all these weird variations. I think if they just stick more to the, you know, again, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, we love this thing. Okay, we're going to take this thing you love and completely change it and hope that you still like it. <laughs> it's...
0: Mm-hmm. One thing I will say about the Mega Constructs line, and and I think this is you know, this is kind of true for most of us, is we collect multiple lines, right? So, if you're competing for uh, display space, Mega Construx is a good option because it's such such they're a small. small footprint.
3: Yeah, <laughs> every small. That
5: yeah. is yeah. true. I didn't think about that. At the same time, though, the case slots they put out with the figures, they're not just strictly masters. Like you can get Futurama, oh, Aliens, right. Predator, Turtles.
3: Oh, they have Futurama that... ones. They do. Yes. Yep. Oh, oh really? vendor and fry only from what I oh I, I gotta have to yeah. find those <laughs>
5: but such a nice thing to see on the shelf like in the same box you can get a couple masters figures, a couple turtles, whatever, and then the next case assortment same idea
0: hmm guys i got, I got a, I just want to ask a question here what do you guys think about the influence of masters of the universe in other media? Does anybody Which get way? a favorite? Well I was thinking like, you know, I mean, one of the clear one of the obvious ones is uh robot chicken. Robot chicken is oh, lends it like literally heavily that. into it.
1: I used to collect um I don't know if you knew before Robot Chicken, if you go to the comic store, they had um I guess it was the Toy Fair magazines yep. and they had these little blips in them. Yes. with with it's those and they, and they actually Theater. made like graphic novels of them yeah as I well totally and i collected that, yeah. those and that was way before robot chicken so when robot chicken came out with those i was already there because i was already loving sure. those little blips in the in the magazine i and still stuff. I every single
3: issue of toy fair magazine because i can still pick that up and not only do i enjoy seeing the evolution of figures from like the 90s into the 2000s until uh uh, Toy Fair stopped, I think they stopped around issue 120 something maybe they got into 130 but just to keep reading, it used to be called Twisted Mego Theatre yeah, right. yeah. Toy Fair Theatre because they were bringing more yeah. of the, the ones in but that, you can still pick up any one of those magazines and read the little comic strips or the little one-offs or, or those little things in the, in the middle of the book and you can laugh and I mean, I think there were people that worked on those and in that magazine that ended up I think they had some part in uh, Robot Chicken as well, too. But I mean, oh, it wouldn't surprise yeah,
1: me. They were hilarious.
3: Fantastic things. And so, yeah, for, for sure, like uh, Masters of the Universe in uh, in Robot Chicken. But I'm trying to think of, you know, like a, a bigger, you know, influence on like in, in media.
0: Well, full, full, full circle moment for Robot Chicken was the Molar action figure in classics. For a, sure. Yeah. An original <laughs> character from Robot Chicken makes its way into the toy line. So that I mean, that's a cool moment.
3: Oh, there was such. Oh, I remember when that got announced as a Comic Con. I think it was a Comic Con exclusive. Yeah. And people were ticked off and they're like, that's why it's an exclusive. You don't, it's going to be a small run. You don't need to buy it.
0: Those are perfect examples of um, what should I be. Mean, that's a convention what I did love about the classics.
1: Be. They really just kind of covered everything.
0: Like, yeah, yeah. All of it. All did you guys, uh, for me, one of my favorite, and you can't tell me that this is not, you know, a, a Motu influence, was uh, the son of Zorn. By the way, I'm Zorn, defender of
3: Zephyria, conqueror of the tribes of Aegon.
1: Oh, I loved that, actually, and it's canceled already. I yeah, know. that
3: was the season thing, right? I yeah. didn't
1: think I was going to like it that much, and I watched it, and I'm like, this is amazing. Like, it was hilarious, I and was, then uh, before I, w- I knew it, it was already over and done, and... And that's
0: it. I discovered I wow. it on on its first run when it was on Netflix before it got pulled and then put back up. I was homesick. They, one they day. could
1: do if if they could do a He-Man TV show like that, that would be hilarious.
0: <laughs> I I thought it was perfect. Like, he comes from this like crazy <laughs> island. It's all animated. I mean, all his all his friends are derivative Motu characters. <laughs> like you know uh, the Ram Man uh, like guy with the hard head, and it just yes, I just loved it.
3: I can't even believe that was on like network TV. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like that's where I caught the run, and so I, I made sure my PVR taped it every week just in case I missed it. And yeah. I laughed at it. my wife was like, "This is the stupidest thing." I'm oh, like, oh, "Come it's on, so amazing.
1: I am just so sad it didn't t- catch on. Like, I don't know, was it just too silly for
3: people? I, I don't know. Just too over. I loved it. That that show could have worked on Adult Swim.
5: Not oh, on. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for- yeah, that's true.
0: I don't know, any other good examples of uh, Motu
5: and other media? I think that the uh, crossover with WWE would oh, be a big so one. Oh, so
0: fa- that's a great one. And we should have talked about that kind of in the, when we were talking about Origins. True. Because I am not, I've been a, apart from wrestling for a long time. Pete, you're still into wrestling, are you not?
4: Unfortunately, yes. It's my <laughs> pop, I can't stop watching that.
1: I haven't watched it since 2001. I was so into it so, for so long. and then that was it so I don't know what you guys are talking about so there's a crossover there's a a
0: crossover action figure line and it's called the WWE Masters of the Universe and they are oh I missed that they are WWE wrestlers and it's a mix of like modern wrestlers and legends done in the Motu style with some of the Motu theming yeah so they some of the uh, what's the crossover one that they just uh, they're all crossovers for that matter
5: Uh, John Cena got to be Faker yeah. Uh, the Undertaker <laughs> uh, got Scared really? low. That's right, yeah. Uh, Triple H got the Tear Claws. Yep.
1: Oh, um, man, after we're done this, I got to go look this up. Stephanie
5: McMahon got Evil in.
0: Yes.
3: Oh, man. Rick, Ricky oh. the Dragon Steamboat just got to be... Oh. Did he have the Dragon Blaster Skeletor on, or was that a different one that got the Maybe. Dragon Blaster? Maybe.
0: Somebody just uh, got the Triclops gimmick. Oh, I can't even remember now. Oh, uh,
3: it's, I think the New Day was, was New With Day. any
0: Manny yeah. Faces was... yeah, okay, yeah right. And Savage got the battle armor?
1: Oh
3: yeah!
0: Savage just got so. it. Oh, yeah, man. Just they just got keep one, yeah.
3: coming up with more ways to get our money. <laughs> the swappable parts on them too. That's right? what I was
0: going to say, yeah.
3: The parts between the wrestlers and then also taking the parts between Origins and, the, and then they're swapping parts on each one. I think Pixel Pixel Dan just did a video too about swapping yeah parts and everything between the two series. Yeah, And, you know, I haven't touched Origins and I haven't touched these either, even though like I'm a wrestling guy yeah. or whatever. I mean, I think like if you want to talk about over the top, I think these are probably some of the most over the top figures I've seen in a while, and th- <laughs> they're good fun. and And I think it's really interesting to see them trying to blend the two properties together. I have to uh, ad-
0: I have to from- admit, even though I am away from wrestling now, like you can't tell me that this is not the perfect blending of IPs. The reason I say that is. Who didn't have, like going back to the 80s, who didn't have those LJN, the big rubber guys, and the sling em fling em wrestling I ring? I so
1: many of them.
2: How many, t- mm-hmm. you, you've got
0: the perfect body, st- here's a guy in essentially wrestling trunks, even if they're fur, and the boots, <laughs> and looks like a wrestler. So you, you, how many guys and girls played with their He-Man figures in the wrestling ring? You know no, what I mean? She- so perfect per, good example that's for sure
5: well they even got a mr t figure in there going all the they way did back did. to the right, wrestlemania yeah. right
0: yeah they did come on man yeah but even the like the the play value right
3: with yeah, the, yeah. like i said whopping parts like that's some good marketing right there so i mean oh you know like oh look at that wwe figure it's got an accessory that i would really love with this origins figure i'm gonna buy it even just for that accessory because at 15 what 15 bucks maybe 20 bucks
0: yeah, yeah exactly
3: Walmart and right there you got Origins. Well, if you can find them in Walmart, and these, if you can find yeah, them, yeah, like
0: same thing. Fox,
3: right? Yeah. But I mean, again, they're suffering the same fate as uh, Origins. It depends on the the wrestler. You want to try and find an Ultimate Warrior? Good luck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Try and find yeah. an Undertaker? Good luck. I yeah. I just undertaker. don't
1: understand why they limit some of these runs in the way they do that. It's like I don't. It's like here, let's make a whole bunch of ones that nobody wants and limit the ones that everybody wants. <laughs>
3: Case with- assortment, right? Just to sit in those those meetings when they're discussing case assortments of figures. Oh it'd, yeah, it'd be a fly on the wall sometimes.
0: Uh, yeah, with the uh, two series that are coming up for Netflix, the uh, the one that is, I guess, it's targeted kind of at the youth audience with the uh, He Man and the Masters of the Universe, and then the Kevin Smith led uh, Masters of the Universe Revelations. Anybody have any uh, thoughts or hopes or wants for either of these series? I'm going to go blind
3: have- without uh, really looking into them too much yeah so i can yeah
0: me too that's what i was gonna say i
3: watching and make an informed decision i i I just i'm not one of those people where a movie trailer comes out or a flash comes out and you make a 10 to 15 minute youtube video dissecting a poster or (laughs) a trailer talking about how much you love it or how much you hate it sure for clicks and stuff i don't have the time i don't know how people even have the energy to to be bothered yeah but i mean Anything to get clicks nowadays, but I will reserve my judgment until they come out and I can watch them. And I will be glad to watch them because, like you said, something is better than nothing. Yep. And that they're going to take the time to do it. Uh, From everything I've heard from Kevin Smith talking about it, I'm very, very pumped for it. Yeah. the one that's uh, directed more at the youth, this might be great for my daughter and I to watch. Sign me up and let's get them going because I'm in to watch them.
0: Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say? I think
1: for me, I, I definitely like to be surprised. I'm the same way. I don't sit there and like analyze any, you know, videos that come out about it or anything. I have to say, I'm definitely more interested in the Kevin Smith because he's a fan. Yep. And hopefully, you would like to think that when fans make something, it'll come out like we want it yeah so I, I definitely am much more invested in his what he's got going on but yeah I, I haven't seen any ads anything about it because I just kind of want to I always like to go in with you want to go
0: in as blind as you can
1: fresh view yeah and I, but I am hoping that well that makes it hard to talk about doesn't <laughs> <under, laughs> it I I really hope they don't, don't do the woke thing that they
3: did with Shira, but you know we'll see <laughs> I, I got trust in Kevin Smith too because like him he'll collaborate he, I, I think he knows what fan expectations are going to be for this, and he he's probably gone looking and done research and talked with the who's who to say, look, here's some scenarios. Here, here's who uh, like the direction we're going to thinking uh, that we're thinking we're going to go with this character, and he's probably bounced ideas off of many people who are like really huge fans or like right into the lore to see where they're they're going to go, and even their their picks for who's in the characters, I think that they've already nailed. Oh, from, yes. From,
0: but yeah. That yeah, voice sure. cast is so, like stacked. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. So I think if they're taking that much care, even just with the voice acting, they're not going to skimp on the the actual
0: plot. I don't think so either. I,
1: I wouldn't expect him to not do what he's trying to do with it. He's always seemed to have really good investments in the fan base of things.
3: Yeah. He, I think it, some. it was like previewed or something about Something about uh, one of the things where they said, you know, they're going to kind of focus a little bit on Tila and something and about her and the sorceress and something like that or taking over being the sorceress. There's something like that that they announced at, uh, you know, during PowerCon or during one of the press releases. And once again, just like two sentences of maybe giving a preview of like where, you know, even maybe one person's story in this whole thing is going to It blew over to, oh, I'm not going to watch this. I'm not watching a show just about Tila. I want to know about you. And you're like, dude, guys, settle. They were just talking about per- perhaps a potential yeah. story arc for one character in this thing. And they blew <laughs> up over it. And, uh, it's so what, toxic.
0: When the show was announced, it was announced that it would be the direct continuation of the Filmation cartoon. And my mind immediately went to that story arc. Because as we said earlier, there were so so few multi-part arcs in the original Filmation cartoon, you're like, if you're going to continue the original show, there's only so many things you can draw from without having to create new storylines, which I honestly hope that they do create some new storylines, but like, that is a huge dangling plot thread about that whole revelation that Tila is the daughter of the sorceress, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I would be surprised if they didn't touch on that.
3: Yeah, and I hope they give us Fangman I want more Fangman. I (laughs) I would like to see a (laughs) Fangman.
0: Maybe, you know, potentially I would like to see, like, as an adult show, I would like, this is me just total fanboying right here. I would love to see Adam ascend to the throne of Eternia. We get King He-Man and then, you know, really dive into that romantic uh, relationship aspect that they'd always hinted at between him and Tila. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, if if they do adult versions of it, like, I think for me, I would, if I could see anything, I would just love to see an adult made movie. Oh, my gosh. Well yeah. 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 That, that for me, it's the pinnacle. Like, of course, I'm enjoying the new cartoons and all of that stuff. And, you know, the figures still being able to buy them on the shelves currently and everything. But if they could just yeah, do that really good movie.
0: Well, yeah, with that uh, live action movie getting pulled, it had a release date. It was on Sony's calendar. It is no longer on the calendar. It sort of puts the whole thing into question. I know that uh, they had attached an actor to the role of Adam slash He-Man, and it was uh, Noah Centineo, and Mm -hmm. I don't really know much about him, but when I looked him up, he's a really small dude. Like, I don't, you know, he might be a credible Adam, but... You know, he it's going to take a lot of work for him to pull off a, a really credible He-Man, I think.
3: And and I haven't really gone sleuthing about it because until I see that they're technically in, a, in 100% like pre-production or it's announced yeah. filming starts here. Yeah. I've never put any stock into, you know, them being, oh, here it's on the release schedule. And of course, too, you know, with, with the past year, year and a half and everything. Oh, Yes. Push back so many other release dates of movies and stuff, and I guess you know, let's say if it was supposed to be 2023, you know, maybe they're also sitting there going, "We can't even put things that we might even take a risk on our schedule right now because we need to recuperate and make money because of all the money lost over Mm -hmm. the last year and a half due to the pandemic, right?" So, I mean, it could be a whole slew of different things because you're not Uh, going to want to lose money on any movie now after after uh, having revenue from uh, theaters and everything uh, hit like they were over the last year and a half, you're going to make sure that if you're going to release a movie, it better be a huge blockbuster.
1: Yeah, I never get excited about talking about movies on on the roster at all until I actually see filming being done. It's like, how long have I been waiting for Beetlejuice 2 to come out and then not come out? And, and, you know, the next Labyrinth 2, that one's all been for like decades. You know, oh, we're going to make it. No, we're not. You know, right, right. Yeah, I usually don't even pay attention anymore until yeah. it's actually, oh, we're actually filming it now. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but you're yeah, totally yeah.
1: right, you know. it's We're going to lose a lot of good movies over the next years due to the fact that they're just not going to take chances on anything. We're probably going to get a lot of Marvel and DC movies over <laughs> the next Oh, while, yes. I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. Well, with the uh, yeah. with the, the potential that there is something there that it's, you know, I mean, and movies can stay in that, you know, in development. They can be in development forever. But with the you know the glimmer of hope that there is something coming down the road, that opens us up to uh, something else we like to do here on the show. We actually just did our first episode of what we like to call Fantasy Casting Call, where we pick a film and we recast all the principal actors of that movie, and we kind of talk about what it might look like with these alternative acting choices. So I would ask the two of you if... On a future show, if we could come back together and maybe do a fantasy casting call for the live-action He-Man movie, I'd be up for that. I I agree, Greg, I'd little, be up
3: for that. Yeah, I'd have to do a little bit more research because uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm someone that doesn't watch too many movies. Like I'll watch like the odd blockbuster here or there, uh, unless it's something I want. But. Just I'd with, still cast uh, Dolph Lundgren.
0: <laughs>
3: uh, I, I would I, see that would be right there. Like I don't even, I don't think I even know enough modern actors even nowadays. Well, here's
0: here's the thing. So when we do our fantasy casting call, it is a true fantasy casting call. So there's only one Anybody. rule. There's only one rule. You can pick okay. whoever you want from any right. point in their career, alive or dead.
1: Oh.
2: That's okay. interesting. So right. it's I'm
0: a true play. fantasy casting call. Ah, uh,
3: okay. That, I, thought, I would definitely uh, be down to to search that out.
0: <laughs> okay, well that's awesome. I am super stoked about putting that okay. one in the in the pipe.
3: Yeah, I was more worried because, like I said, I I don't know the names or I I can't tell you very many modern actors because I I never pay attention. So I thought, oh geez, if we gotta talk about like who would we cast right now. I, I couldn't even tell you.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, we don't have like, to do it right now, I, but I just wanted, I wanted to dangle the carrot there and see if you guys would bite.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'll do that one. I'll, I'll do some. Perfect. I'll be fun. Yeah.
0: All right, guys. Well, listen, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, I are sure.
3: definitely
1: be down for that.
0: We're coming up on uh, two hours here. I think we've had a really great conversation and I don't want to cut anybody off short, uh, short. So before we wrap it up, is there anything else that anybody wants to bring up that we may have forgotten or maybe want to touch on? I just Um, wish
1: they'd make a She-Ra figure that actually looks like She-Ra. That would be great. Even the classics don't quite look like her. I always
0: thought the Adora was really good. Yeah, The Adora. Adora
1: one was great. Definitely, I, I agree with that. But if they could just make like a really good—the only ones I've seen of Shira that were made super well were the resin statues.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And
1: yeah. I have a Barbie doll figure that it was a San Diego Comic Con 2016 that I have. Oh yeah, I remember. And she that. looks actually—I I have that—and she looks really great. Still not quite like the cartoon though. She looks like a fancy Barbie, yeah. but uh, yeah, I just don't understand why all the the figures—they just never seem to get her face quite right.
3: No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that. That Comic Con figure was good. I ended up snagging two of those. I got one in my daughter's room, and then I kept one in the box because the uh, artwork on that thing was just oh, the
1: artwork is ma like I I kind of wish I had just like is kept that it the, inside. Uh... I did. I opened it up and everything. You would have seen it when we were doing the toy. Is that the Star Starburst one?
0: Is that it the was... Star no, Starburst? It, was that...
1: it does have the Starburst. It does have the. It has three outfits.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, cool figure.
3: I, yeah, it actually was cool and. Um, you know, I i reviewed it for my channel when I first got it, and uh, I made the comment because her hair was all frizzy or something. And, oh, sure. and I made a comment, something like, Yeah, like, oh, I've never had dolls, so I'm not used to combing, yeah, it, yeah, it, but, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. And I can't, there was somebody who commented, I got one or two funny comments going, Oh, you're such a big man, you can't admit to brushing a doll's hair or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm just like, Okay, you took the energy to type that, all right, whatever. I okay. don't. <laughs> But I'm like, oh, that was an interesting comment. Maybe I was just trying to kind of joke at myself. I yeah, don't know what yeah. that really said. But uh, no, I, I was happy with the, with that figure. And it's the first yeah, time. Yeah, I think like out of all of them, I really appreciated
1: it. The artwork on the box alone was worth making it, yeah, buying then, it alone. And then the extra outfits. What I ended up doing is I have her still in the box. And I opened it up. So I have her displayed. And I took the other outfits. And I got some Barbies that look like one that looks like a Dora and one that looks more like a fancy she-ra for the other outfits and have them displayed oh cool
0: yeah that's very cool
3: oh i was gonna say because you're saying anything else yeah yeah uh, absolutely if anybody had never seen it but the the power of grayskull documentary that uh you know you had on on oh yeah 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 if anybody has never seen that make sure that you you see that um my buddy rob mccallum worked on that and uh that's great and um as well too if um if you uh want to see some more stuff with uh You know, people who worked on uh, figures in the industry, the uh, the action figure adventure that uh, Rob McCallum just put out as well, too. That's uh, you can get that on. um, Oh, geez. It's in one of the Canadian channels, but it's a specialty channel. And then I think it's Jinx TV that uh, it's now uh, worldwide. But, I mean, they touch on Masters in, in that series as well, yeah. too. So, yeah. I mean, you want to see more stuff about action figures and Masters and stuff, all, all those shows are really good tidbits to, you know.
1: Yeah, I love those, and the toys that made us. Like, I, I wish yeah. they would just – and now they're doing the movies that made us and all yeah. that. I'm really enjoying those types of shows and stuff. I wish more of would get into doing more of that. Good,
0: good call on the power of Skull and I should have brought it up, too, because um, – Lots of people have seen The Toys That Made Us, and uh, I just want to point out, and this came up in my interview with Scott, was in the episode, the Masters episode of The Toys That Made Us, glossed over the entire period that he was there overseeing the brand and essentially credited mm-hmm. the entire run of classics to Super 7, and that's just not true. No. It mm-hmm. just didn't happen sure. that way. So, But Scott gets his moment because he's featured quite heavily in the Power of Grayskull documentary, so yes, definitely Yeah, that was a watching. great
1: one. I really yeah. enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anybody see uh, uh, the fan film, Fall of Grayskull?
1: No, that I actually saw it when you wrote on the question list. I was looking at that, and I'm like, oh, I must have missed that one. I didn't see that.
0: It's on YouTube. It's pretty cool.
5: I think I I have seen that before. It's Um, pretty cool. And it's got a wrestling crossover indication, too. Yeah, Um, the guy. The fellow that plays He-Man is actually in AEW now. That's right. Uh, Brian Cage. Yeah. Oh, really? Brian Cage played He-Man? He
0: plays He-Man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, okay. You get a you get a look at a at a realized uh live action version of uh Galactic Battleground Tila. Huh? You, you uh. get a version of Castle Grayskull, man. Yep. It's totally worth checking out. This, oh, I really the skeleton. <laughs> it's on. Yeah, it's uh, the fall of Grayskull. It's on YouTube. It's a 2015 uh, 15 fan film, but it's still. It looks pretty good. I just rewatched yeah. it last week.
5: Yeah, you can buy copies of it too from them. I believe. Can you? I believe so. I didn't. There's know also that. a lot of behind the scenes material for it yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah.
0: totally worth checking I out. Ju- though,
1: I just think no matter what they give us, we can never get enough of it. I think, and He Man will live forever. Master Universe. Oh, sure. It'll be for it just. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to see this still at this day and age. So relevant,
3: you know, it's. That people are, you know, and here we, here
0: we are still talking about it, you know, uh, 30 years uh, later.
3: That's coming, you know, at the end of the month, I, I think people are going to just get a kick out of it. I'm so excited to see it because there's so many uh, tidbits and facts and everything that they found and they dug up and, uh, you know, you name it they probably like if they've made it, they it's probably in the book. And for me, even to, uh, to have worked on it and to be, have been asked by, uh, Val Staples and, and Dan to contribute. Like if you told me when I was a kid sitting there in the basement, making my own adventures with He-Man that I'd be you're going to be Ford part of the lore talking about He-Man or that <laughs> I'd be involved in <laughs> a major amazing. project. Yeah. I would have been like, the He-Man, He-Man's going to like, no, he'll be gone when I'm a teenager. No way. And here we are, like decades
0: well, later.
1: Hope- well, think about all of us as teenagers that got rid of our toys,
0: yeah, <laughs> just to
1: collect them back later. That's what I ended up doing. Or our parents
0: <laughs> got rid of them for us.
3: <laughs> no. yeah. I was grade grade seven, and it was a yard sale, and Nintendo was everything. Oh, I-, I feel I you. I had my whole He-Man collection in two boxes, and my Ninja Turtles in another box. And this guy came in. And he said to me, he goes, hey, kid, how much for all that? Hundred bucks for the whole bu- hundred bucks. And he's, he laughed. He went to his car, he gave me a hundred bucks and walked off. <laughs>
5: the fool traded it to me for Eternian silver.
3: Uh-oh. And that's when I was in grade seven. I'm like, sucker. 100 yeah. Bucks. Oh, yeah. And now I'm sitting here in my forties going,
1: you stupid idiot we we can do that about everything i i mean i just like i know i don't know how many toys i lament about that (laughs) like if i just kept them all
0: oh yeah me too me too
1: he's gone well who would have known with the internet and everything that's always what i think about it's like you know if only it's like if i could just go back in time i'd go buy all these you know first generation toys and everything and but i mean in reality who would have known that the internet would have brought on such an insane collector's market you know
0: yeah, for sure. But well, it, uh,
1: at least we've got what we've got, and they're still making them. So
0: I think it's safe to say, over the last couple of hours, we've established that uh, He Man and the Masters of the Universe, Shira and the Princess of Power, and the whole line is, you know, alive and well, and you know, for the most part, looks like there is a bright future ahead. <laughs>
4: You know, I'm hoping the best is yet to come. I mean, with them putting so much energy into two new shows and there's like seven different form factors at retail right now. Yeah. Before coming, you know, this year.
0: Yeah, well, we don't know where things are going to go after 2023 where toys are concerned, but I have no doubt that He-Man and the entire brand will endure for many, many years to come. So before we wrap it up and uh, close it out, I just wanna let you guys take an opportunity to tell the people out there what you're working on got any side projects you wanna you wanna promote and where can people find you if they are looking to check out your work?
5: okay well,
1: I've kind of got my hands in a bunch of pots right now. I don't know what i'm whether I'm coming or going, but uh you know i I run a little metal shop uh it's been mostly just on Facebook and discogs for the time being. I'm working on my website at the moment I have a uh, it's called the, the Black Beast Emporium, and I have a small tape label called Von Frost Coffin Records as well. So I primarily just do small metal bands, and uh, I've just been running kind of that along with all my toy collecting and everything. And I'm also a musician, do a couple of projects, uh, Haunted by Shadows, another band, Letha Ferris. Obviously, COVID has really made it so nobody can jam or do shows right now. So I've been definitely more focused in my toy collecting since since that time. But uh that's that's about it for me for the
3: for right now.
0: Awesome. How about you be? Uh,
3: for me, I uh I've run uh electrifiedporcupine.com and uh I've got uh my own of course the uh Twitter and Instagram uh connected to it. So uh when I get some new stuff, I usually kinda snap some pictures on there as well too. My YouTube channel is Electrified Porcupine. Um but since the uh pandemic started about a year ago, I kind of uh you know, kind of stayed away. Uh, I ended up uh, getting back more social uh, with my buddies online gaming and kind of collecting figures more just to collect them and appreciate them and do my own thing instead of saying, oh, my goodness, I've got this figure in. I've got to get to a review right away or I've got to, you know, uh, take a picture of it right away and and, and get the hits and everything. Right. I've kind of back on that and uh you know done more family stuff uh reconnected with my friends and some gaming gotten back into playing music which i both which i totally abandoned music and, and gaming not my family of course yes. when uh when i was doing uh electrified porcupine um like go 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 um and of course um on top of all of that i uh we decided to move last summer so I had to start packing up stuff uh, last June before we moved and I finally just finally got all my classics up about uh, like last week. So it's been you know with uh, my career and other kinds of uh, things I just haven't touched the site or uh, the channel but you know we're getting to that point where I'm kind of feeling the itch again and now that this uh, the the book is coming out that I got to be a part of maybe that might kind of rekindle my creativity with, uh, getting back on my site and everything, but I've got old past
0: stuff. So well, people can see my, I there, wouldn't, I, guess. I wouldn't be surprised if you get more requests to do more shows. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? The people, people are going to find out, like, Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, who, who knows, right? You never know what, uh, what can come from, uh, quite the opportunity. When I started the site, I, if you told me I would have been getting a call from, uh, Val Staples yeah. and, and saying, Hey, do you want to help us out with this project? I w I, I wouldn't have believed it. So I mean it's just been a, a blessing. I've met uh so many nice people doing the site and uh getting the opportunities, you know, to uh to host some uh some panels and work with some other people. It's it's been awesome.
0: It's been great.
1: Now wait till conventions start up again.
0: Oh <laughs> wishful thinking right I miss now those for me. So me too much. Me oh. too. All right, for guys, sure. well, I am super happy to have hosted you both today. I'm so glad that you were available to come and sit down and talk with us and really just kind of wax poetic on one of those things that we all love. And, for sure. Uh, I appreciate yeah.
3: it. Until next time, this is He-Man wishing you good health and good luck.
0: Until we meet again, my friends, and we uh, get back and we do our Masters of the Universe fantasy casting call, my name is Wes, and uh, for producer Andy, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to fandom power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom power is a Sawcast production.